She can dig it. You can dig it. I can dig it. You can dig it. We can dig it. <laughs> I can dig it. He can dig it. She can dig it. We can dig it. They can dig it. Exactly. Oh, let's <laughs> dig it. Can you dig it, baby? Can you dig it? <laughs> so real, so real, so real. <laughs> Speaking about so real, that was some shit that Barry went through, huh, gang? The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. to check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. With over 30 podcasts that encompass everything from horror to video games to comic books, and so much more, you're bound to find the shows for your taste. Whether it be Nerds of Unusual Origin, That Strange Show, Retro Red Octopus, Splash Pages, Throwdown Thursday, The Horror Squad, Still Token With, My God, man, I can't read all of these. So just feel free to play and experiment with the Dorkening Podcast Network. There are over 30 shows chock full of dirty goodness to sink your ears into. And they're all available on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Kids. Kids. Yeah. You want to talk about Flash? Definitely, and um, we we should absolutely say that there's going to be spoilers. So if you know if you haven't seen the movie yet, go see it. I'm sure it'll be out in like a week on digital or something like that. But um, go see it. That way we're covered. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I I pre-ordered it digitally on Vudu, and then I saw that it came up uh, for physical media uh, on Amazon for pre-order. So I canceled my pre-order on Vudu because the physical comes with a digital copy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So like, why Is would it like I a buy a book or something? No, no, no. just the regular. Yeah. I, I don't really, I'm fine with not getting a steel book. Yeah. No, I, I, I got one for the Hellboy movie because I, I'm one of the people that actually liked it, but it had a really cool original cover by Mike Mignola. And I'm like, like, I'm not going to get this, you know? I think I got the steelbook for um, uh, Peacemaker. Um, Wait, the not... series had it? Yeah, I believe That's so. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it was it, it, honestly, it wasn't even like, uh, oh, like I, I have to get the steelbook. It was just like, oh, well, that's what you have. That's what I'll take. Not a problem. You know, so there's that. It's like the least cool. of my least of my worries right now. I, I gotta buy a fucking SD card reader so I can transfer all my fucking game shit from one goddamn card to another. I like go to look at my computer. I'm like, oh, I'll just put it in the computer. Oh, there's no fucking SD. Yeah, that's been gone for a while. No one noticed. <laughs> God damn it! 
Like I went to, I went exactly to where it's supposed to be here. And I'm like, they even have like the little notch for it. So yeah, they do. Fucking bullshit. I don't know what that takes. Maybe it takes like a different type of card. Oh, look at that. Nice. Uh, yeah, it does look pretty, looks pretty, pretty boss. Yeah. That's so, uh best buy. Oh, best buy. No has, surprise. Okay. That's yeah. why I always gets like the steel book them and target. Also, uh, <clears throat> just checking this Excuse out. Me. Looks like they're, uh, mm. where did it go? You know, you can open tabs on the computer, Leo. So that way, you, oh, you can, you can keep track of things and just click on the tabs. They call it keeping tabs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, show enough. Yeah. Wow. Bruce Leroy. Yeah. yeah. It looks like they're coming out with a 4k edition. Jeez. I'd watch can it. Can you dig it? I can dig it. I can dig it. I love that movie. It is you a good can movie. dig it. Like it is. She can dig it. You can dig it. I can dig it. You can dig it. We can dig it. <laughs> I can dig it. He can dig it. She can dig it. We can dig it. They can dig it. Exactly. Dig it. Oh, <laughs> let's dig it. Can you dig it, baby? Can you so, dig it? <laughs> so real, so real, so real. <laughs> Speaking about so real, that was some shit that Barry went through, huh, gang? Yeah, so, so uh, I, I'm guessing if we're talking about buying it, you guys enjoyed it. Um, do we have any any numbers on how it did? Because I heard it fell short of its 93 uh, million um, uh, that they were shooting for for opening. Yes, um, it's it's a conundrum uh, in a in a manner of speaking, because the critic and audience scores for the movie are way way up. People who saw it liked it. For the most part. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just... It's, it's enjoyable. Yeah, it is It is enjoyable. Um, but there's been a lot of head-scratching, of course, uh, in regards to why it hasn't done as well as projected. Uh, there's a lot of different voices chattering in the, uh, the echo chamber of the internet. And... Uh, some of those voices are, are reasonable, and some of those voices are not. <laughs> That's the best way for me to put that. Um, I think really what would happen with, with this, and you know, just to put it up out in front of everything else we're going to say, uh, James Gunn's announcement basically said, like, this is going to be a reset point moving forward um it's not he never said it was going to reboot everything um so like a people you know, i was kind of saying with leo like before we started recording like people kind of heard what they wanted to hear in that because like within the same breath he was he was just like superman is going to be the official first movie of the dcu so like it doesn't make sense to think of it as like, oh, this is going to reboot everything, but Superman is going to be the first DCU movie. No, essentially what that means is this is the last DCEU movie. It's like the cutting off point. Whereas Blue so, Beetle, Blue yeah. Beetle may not have like what happens specifically in Blue Beetle may not have... Um, far-reaching implications like insofar as how it touches other stories but the character itself 
will be part of the DCU. That's why he's saying Blue Beetle is the first DCU character, but Superman is the is going Superman Legacy is going to be the first DCU movie. And we know uh, they're they're gonna keep Aquaman around. Um and, and it, it was kind of cool. And, and again, you know, spoiler alert for everybody, but it's like there's there's a scene at the end with Arthur Curry in it, you know, and, and not Arthur Curry the dog. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like Aquaman shows up in this. Wonder Woman shows up in this, you know, and, and it's like Ben Affleck as Batman shows up in this. <laughs> so I wasn't expecting Alfred. I wasn't expecting a lot of these things. And that was kind of a surprise. Yeah, um, it was it was. I, I it was done really well and and also uh i honestly have to say like for, for myself you guys know you you two especially know me and and all three of our listeners have gotten used to me at this point <laughs> um wait which show is this again <laughs> <laughs> but uh but the thing is uh oh sorry let me get positioned here i apologize um I thought I was very satisfied in seeing Ben Affleck in the blue and gray action suit in this movie. I was I, like, we haven't seen that. We haven't gotten that. And, and it just goes to show you it. It nice. actually, it, it works. It works in live action. You can do that. And it, it doesn't look fucking silly. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. And that was a great sequence. I'm going to tell you, like, my favorite part of the movie is absolutely in that um, missile silo where, you know, we finally see someone who appears to be Michael Keaton Batman beating yeah. the other loving snot out of like a whole bunch of Russian scientists and guards. I'm like, yeah, that's what that was the payoff for me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's like everything that they wanted Batman to be in 1989. And... Like he could move his neck. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, I, I would love to tell you, I didn't fanboy about that. I would love to tell you a lot of things, but like that could have been the whole movie and I would have got up and gone to pay for another ticket. You know, <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah, it was all right. I personally, I, I, I didn't have like a, how do, how do I say this? Um, geek out I, no problem at all with anybody who was in the movie I, at all, like character or performer. Um, yeah, I think I agree with that because my problems are definitely not related to any actors. I, however, I, in regards to Batman, I think there were a couple of things, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman, I should say. Uh, one for me personally, I'm not speaking generally just, you know, powerful Brandon here. I was not so mired or did not have my vision so tinted by nostalgia that I went gaga for any of the stuff we saw in the movie. And that's not to say it was bad. I don't that I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm I I'm very cynical when it comes to what I've often referred to as weaponized nostalgia. And to me, that is what a lot of that, and it's not just the Flash. It's not just the Flash that's guilty of it. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home did the same thing. This, this, by the way, is that movie, just so you know. So it's like, <clears throat> you know, the, the modus operandi may be different, but it's it's kind of like almost exactly the same everything. So, 
Yeah. In, in a manner of speaking, for sure. I will say, um, I, I found the reveal. How do I put this? Like, I get that they had Michael Keaton in this movie as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And they really wanted to let people know that Michael Keaton was in this movie as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. However, if you watch the movie, they don't show Bruce Wayne's face when they show up at the manor for a good stretch of time while he's trying to like kick the shit out of Barry one and Barry two. And then he finally gets like flung and his ass lands on the fucking linoleum. And you finally see his face and he's all like, you know, haggard and, and bearded and everything. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but I did. And, and I have to see it again. Like I said, I've only seen it once, but it's like they stopped for applause. It's just like when Andrew Garfield showed up as Spider-Man in No Way Home. If you watch it without an audience and he walks in, there's a weird pause where you can tell, oh, that's an applause break. Huh. They did the same thing. Yeah. And I, I well, did notice it when he said, I'm Batman. Like that I noticed. Yeah. Well, they're definitely there too. But the the my <laughs> the my the minute pause when it finally show because they they go to great lengths to not show his face while he's fighting them and then finally like oh boom there it is oh it's michael keaton i feel like they were not as they were making the movie they were not necessarily planning on pushing his presence as part of the marketing because it seemed to me like it was supposed to be like a reveal to the audience oh i don't know um, i I don't know because it, it re like, they have no shortage of surprises in this film. Yeah, rewatch re re it though. I think you'll see. Oh. I think you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, it, it lines right up with the same exact thing you were talking about. The applause break for yeah, I'm Batman. I'm like okay, we get it. Um, well, it, it could be that you know maybe they didn't plan to reveal it as early, but maybe due to marketing that they decided to you know put it front and center. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, they yeah. were just they were trying to get as many butts in the seats as possible and, and weaponizing that nostalgia. You know, that's a, a almost surefire way to do it. Yeah. Well, um, uh, speaking of butts and seats, um, as of yesterday, it has made eighty seven point five million locally uh, domestic. OK, I mean, that's that's probably better than than. Um... I mean, they were expecting what eighty three to ninety three, uh, you know, for the first weekend. So, you know, I mean, it's not it's not terrible numbers, you know, and it's like it's going to go on, and I think people are going to see it again, and you know, well, you know, the other thing too that I think hurts it, um, and once again, it's not it's not a problem with execution or performance or anything like that. Spider Man's <laughs> no, no, it's Your Spider Man's out, and I saw that yesterday. <laughs> it's James Gunn's announcement. Yeah. Yeah, what <clears throat> he he it, it wasn't to it wasn't to be detrimental to any project or any person anything like that. He was smart to to make the statement he did. I completely understand it. It was the reasonable thing to do. However, in trying to briefly give an idea of how what the approach was going to be moving forward from that point, uh, stating that Flash the Flash was going to be a, a reset 
and past that point, the DCU was going to start with Superman. It kind of leaves a lot of people saying to themselves, well, then why should I care about this movie? Because if, if, if it resets, yeah, yeah that is fair. Then everything after it is going to be new and it has nothing to do with that or anything that came before it. So why don't I just wait for the new thing? So uh, looking at comic book movies and their grosses, just looking at domestic, because I don't have worldwide. Um, I don't know why they're rating. The f- oh, because they're taking into account both domestic and okay. So uh, domestic to Flash, 87.5 million. Uh, here's what it's beat so far. Just looking at domestic, uh, Valerian and the City of the Thousand Planets. Uh, Constantine. Wow, well, that was a small one, though. Yeah, 75 million. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows from 2016 had 82 million. Not surprising. Yeah. Uh, Men in Black International from 2019 had 80 million. Wow. Hmm. Uh, Let's see. Did it beat Black Adam? Uh, Let me find it. Uh, no, Black Adam was 168 million, but also, I mean, we're still, you know, it still has some legs. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I I think it's got rewatchability, to be honest oh, with oh. you. And, you I know. I feel like I feel like there was um I I love the the Back to the Future joke in it. Yes, yep. I absolutely love <laughs> the it. tattoo. The, sec- <laughs> the, se- the second that um the second that Barry two was just like you know eric stoltz and i was like oh okay <laughs> yep that's a the, but here's the funny thing about that right like he did that he you know he, he changed what happened to his mom being murdered right back to the future was made before his mother was murdered yes so it was. why would that have been so different wet spaghetti oh yeah, yeah i guess yeah it, yeah fair enough fair enough yeah good point well, um, I think that was just a, a cultural marker, so a- anybody could know quickly. Oh, something's wrong here. You know, I think it would have been great to just like add on to the joke as he was talking with Barry Two's roommates too. When like Barry One should have been like, "Yeah, no, I I know what Back to the Future is. I've seen the trilogy. I would have loved for them to be like trilogy, dude. There's like seven movies." Yeah, yeah, see, I, I was thinking the same thing with Star Wars. It'd be like prequels? What are you talking about? And it'd be like, oh my god! You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. go back. <laughs> oh, oh, you're gonna be like the the James Con playing Obi Wan to my Luke Skywalker? Um, don't you mean Alec Guinness, the guy who played Marley in the musical Scrooge? No, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I have to say, looking at uh, the wet spaghetti reference, I absolutely love that Batman had the answer to the you yeah. know, why why time was different. You know, it just really goes into his analytical thinking. I I thought Bale was going to show up at the end. I yeah. I really did. I I it well, kind of knocked my sock off, and I was like, what? So so let's let's talk about that real quick. Uh, there was officially four Batmans in the movie. Yep. So we have Ben Affleck. He was sporting the the blue and gray. Um, where is the image? Sorry. Is this that's it? pretty no, cool looking. No, 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 that's not it. Adam West. Yep. 
Adam West. Obviously, a little bit softer now. A little bit softer now. Michael Keaton, the water. And at the very end, we are surprised by George Clooney. Yep. I recognized his voice right away on the phone. Yeah. Right away. I turned to Dara in the theater and I was like, that's fucking George Clooney's voice. And she was like, yeah. And sure enough, I, I did think it was funny. like, I love that they absolutely employed the one fuck you get to say in a PG 13 movie when Barry was like, who the fuck is that? I, yeah. I, I lost my <laughs> you shit. shit like, your face. That's good. That was fucking hysterical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, honestly, I, I have said it time and time again, as fucking goofy as Batman and Robin is George Clooney was not the problem with that movie. He was not George Clooney is a good actor. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a good filmmaker as well. Um, he, he did the job he was hired for. That was the approach that they were going for. And I think it sucks that for him, like he feels so responsible for how, poorly the movie came like was received and how it came out um and to that i say no joel schumacher and he actually did apologize he did yeah i actually saw that yeah and i actually thought it was kind of cool too because he was like you know what it's it's not always about every single thing the fans want to see but you have to give them something worth seeing and i didn't fight hard enough for the things that I wanted to do when I came on to the, both of these projects. And I, I just went along with the, the company line and that was big of him to admit that, to, to say like, you know what? I, I was trying to like go along to get along and that's, that's where we ended up. It ended up just being a, a campy toy commercial by the end of it. Um, but that being, that being said, I don't think that I think the way that it's positioned, a lot of people like, Oh, they could have just ended it with Barry saying like, who the fuck is that? You know, when he, we don't actually see who, who Bruce Wayne was. Uh, He doesn't necessarily end up back in the DCU at the end of the movie there. You know, he, and some people complained about it thematically saying like Barry didn't learn his lesson. I agree with that. Uh, older Barry did not learn his lesson. Here's the thing. He did. It was a different lesson that had not been covered because the whole thing was you can't go back to change the past because it could have disastrous consequences for the future, right? What he did didn't change anything that happened in the past. No, it 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 created a uh, splintering effect. It changed what would happen when he got back to his present, which is which is a, a slight difference. It's not. It didn't have. It didn't have an effect that rippled through and changed everything as it went. It didn't have that butterfly effect. It was something that sat there. It was. It was. It was like a time capsule, no pun intended. And then when Bruce was able to clean up. The video, instead of it being, oh, he never looked up, 
at this point in time, 2023, it's like, oh, there he is, clear as day. We can exonerate him. And now, in present day, his dad will be released. Um, but Barry but what, changed the position of the cans to be on the top shelf is what he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is it didn't have a direct effect on everything there per se but like it didn't it didn't affect how his father was still arrested and imprisoned wrongfully as it turns out for the murder of his mother however what about all the people who normally would have grabbed the cans from the bottom shelf but now they were on the top like how to and there you know what i mean like so it didn't have a direct effect per se on barry and his father and what that situation was going to be but for some reason that's why we end up with george clooney at the end of the flash well it's it's a good way for them to kind of find a way to get uh rid of of the other actors and all that and i mean oh yeah i, I don't know what they're going to do with gal gadot if she's going to end up in the future in something because well she she did you know. she did say recently like you know we're we're having all kinds of talks right now and as soon as we have everything figured out maybe there'll be you know a little bit more we can tell you so yeah, i mean I, that's... i'd love to see more of her and i'd love to see more of uh you know aquaman you know, I, yeah. I think that those those two are great yeah, I agree. And honestly, bring Shazam in too because I, I think that he got a raw deal. Well, you know? I, I think uh, they already said that Shazam exists within <clears throat> the new universe. It, it's just far away from like everything else. To we'll see how that pans out, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny to me too because uh, as a performer, I never really had an issue with Zachary Levi. Um. But I still feel like he wasn't like the absolute best casting they could have gone with. I love, I love the first movie Shazam. I do, and I, I really enjoyed uh, Fury of the Gods. Truly. Um, but that being said, I still feel like there's a, a couple of things altogether with both of those movies that could have just been tweaked slightly and improved upon. Um. I like Jeff Johns for the most part, but I don't necessarily think that his approach for Shazam as it was done at the back of like issues of justice league of America was the best basis to have a, a Shazam movie built upon. Um, I think if you had pulled from that and a little bit more of power movie, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel if you would pull from what Jeff Johns did in the comic and from what like the years of Jerry Ordway working on the power of Shazam, then you could have come up with something like really like, how do I put it like that really set itself apart um, and, it, and it didn't it didn't feel um, as 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 light as the first movie was, especially Um I, I would have really loved to see a little bit more of a connection uh, between like CC and Marilyn Beck and being archaeologists and how, you know, make that like, and not even have them get murdered by like Teth Adam, like by, by uh, Theo Adam or anything like that. But maybe some, some tragedy befell them because they were trying to protect what they had just found. And the wizard makes note of it. And, yada 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 that's how he actually comes across billy and he keeps an eye on him you still have the thing with like 
the apparition that leads Billy to where the wizard is looking like Billy's dad. That's why he's following. He was like, why this guy looks just like my dad. Um, it was heartbreaking and not, not in a fucking satisfactory way for lack of a better term to see that Billy's whole thing was just like, he was abandoned. That was it. Um, she was I, so callous. I mean, she's like, like, oh, I'm like, was, how could you hard. just? It, and it's like this cute little adorable kid, and you're like, oh man, I I love the found family <laughs> aspect of it, and um, I I love I love kind of like that group, and, and I know mm-hmm. I think you had said that you were so into like you wish they didn't have all of them with the powers, but I I like that it's like he's not alone, and that's kind of where they went with it. Yeah, and and that, you know the thing is, it's like if you're gonna have all the rest of the kids and everything, that that's fine. And, and even if he's gonna like disperse the powers, I don't think that they all should have been like, especially going into like Fury of the Gods. I don't think they all should have been like utilizing the you know Shazam abilities the entire time. I feel like it should have been something that Billy enabled them to be able to do to help in that rather dire situation because they needed as many like hands as possible against the, the seven deadly sins and Savannah. Yeah. Um, I would have really liked to see it be like, kind of narrow it down to Mary and Freddie only Mary and Freddie. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't disagree. And even, but like you could have had it be the three of them primarily. And then still by the end of it, you have, he's like, all right, I need everybody on deck for this one. And he he grabs the other kids in, and you know what I mean. Like then they're your Shazam army, but uh, you know it, it's neither here nor there. In in the the little girl who plays Darla and Megan Good um, are highlights in both movies for me. Um, yeah, I agree. I love the fact that in the second movie, uh, Darla gets a kitten. Did you, <laughs> did, you did you catch the name that she gave? Tawny. A kitten? Tawny, yeah, a little little orange tiger stripe kitten named Tawny, like Talky Tawny. For those of you who might not be aware, that is a character way back in uh, the Marvel Family comics. Uh, Talky Tawny was a, a anthropomorphic tiger that wore a green suit with a bow tie. Well, you, you can see him too if you uh, if you read Final Crisis. You know he's in that. You know another crisis book. But Marvel back, or DC? Actually, DC. Marvel. Okay. I mean, Marvel I'm sorry, DC. It was okay. the Marvel family. Yeah, yeah. That was back the, to what the, you were saying about um, Jeff Johns, though. Like you, you talk about like the Jerry Ordway stuff, like that. Jeff Johns is the rock star of the DC universe. Like people, people are like, oh, you know how Dave Filoni is to Star Wars. Dave Filoni is the Jeff Johns of Star Wars because that's how important Jeff Johns has been. With his Green Lantern, with the Flash, with Aquaman, like I mean, he didn't really touch as much like like Batman and maybe Superman as he did with these other guys. But it's like he's the biggest draw, the biggest name that you could have at DC. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. 
Yeah, and I I agree. He's a he's a he's an excellent writer for the most part. Um, but I don't that as much as I like his stuff, I I can't give him like a hundred percent on on everything that that I've, I've seen, seen fame wise. You know, like like oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the guy. You know? Even regarding the Flash, I mean, Jeff Johns is the reason why Barry Allen is back as the Flash in the comic books mm-hmm. after having been gone for twenty something years. And uh, I, I kind of feel the same way about Barry Allen as the Flash that I do with Hal Jordan as Green Lantern. I actually don't think Barry Allen is the most interesting Flash. I think Wally West is, uh, and that's not that's not like nostalgia. Me saying like, oh well, you know, I was I was you know ten years old when. I started really getting into Flash comics and, and Wally was the Flash at that point. Like, no, I, I grew up, I read a lot of Barry Allen stuff. I, I geeked out when I was like eight years old over the Flash of Two Worlds, um, finding out like, oh, Keystone and Central City, they exist in the same spot and they were just like stuck in this weird harmonic frequency thing. Um, I, I loved all of it. The the trial of Barry Allen, um, I mean, it's it's all it's all great stuff but then when you get to crisis the sacrifice that barry made to save the universe that's i mean that was such a big deal yeah. and then for wally I mean, it had to mean something you know yeah the and for wally to be so heartbroken and devastated to not just lose like his mentor but his uncle and one of his closest friends and the only Through other person you probably talk to about speed, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially after Crisis, because there was no Justice Society anymore at that point, so there weren't any other speedsters. It was Barry and Wally. That was it. Now it's just Wally, and he still fought through all of that grief and said, "The best thing I can do is honor Barry's memory by taking up the mantle that he left behind. I am now the Flash." And he had a lot of struggles on his own and trying to figure out like with his own speed, even he got to a point where he couldn't even, he couldn't run faster than the speed of sound. Um, so he and, kind of had a nerf uh, moment too, like Hal Jordan had where like they stripped him of his power, actually silver surfer too, you know, where they, uh, they strip him of their powers and they become like uh, a lot less powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And there's certain things too, because he wasn't as scientifically minded as Barry he couldn't wrap his head around certain um certain processes for the longest time uh wally when he couldn't vibrate he couldn't phase through objects uh in a clean manner every single time he phased through something it would blow up right after because he he couldn't he couldn't keep their molecules stable as he passed through them um and and there's I mean there's all kinds of other great stuff. Wally was the one that was the Flash when the Speed Force came into like came to fruition in the stories. That was Mark Wade, um, and Mark Wade brought in the the whole speedster, the Speed Force family. I mean you got Wally, Jay Garrick, Max Mercury, Jesse Quick. Um, he you know from Young Justice brought Impulse who eventually became Kid Flash into the fold. Um, he was a lot of fun to read. <laughs> he was. I, I, I enjoyed Bart. 
Um, he and was he was Jay, he was goofball. Jay Garrick was the other speedster we saw in the movie, correct? Yep. Yes, uh, that was just a, a generic Jay Garrick. A lot of people thought that it was the same guy that played the uh, Zoom villain posing as Jay Garrick in the Flash television series, which it, it did look like him. It's because the the costume costuming was very similar. Um, but honestly, like a lot of people say, like, well, I don't understand why they didn't show Grant Gustin. I was thinking that it's like somebody. that was one of those Here's, things. Here, the re one of the reason why you didn't see Grant Gustin because you didn't see any other version of Barry Allen. In uh, all we that, have three versions of Barry, two of which were in the in the, the in, no 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 in the Chrono Bowl. I'm talking about the variants that you're seeing. I'm yeah. not talking about I'm not talking about Barry one, Barry two, and in, in Dark Flash. Okay. I'm talking about looking into separate universes and seeing like, oh, that guy right there must be that universe's Flash, the Jay Garrick that we saw. Like, oh, there's that universe's Superman standing next to that universe's Supergirl. Oh, and there's that universe's Superman who's in black and white for some reason. And, and that guy looks like Nick Cage with long hair fighting a giant spider. You know, like, but in the Chrono Bowl, which I... Before they named it in the movie, I was in the theater, and in my head, I already named it the Ranpa Theater. <laughs> 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 I thought that was pretty good, but you know what the fuck do I know? Um, uh, not not to be nitpicky, but uh, I'm curious why they didn't include Batman '66 uh, in the same uh, globe as uh, uh, Superman '78. Because it's been confirmed that they're in the same universe. Uh, Batman or uh, Earth, what is it? Six? Seven, no, eight? no, no. Yeah. Well, you're, you're no, talking about the no, 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 comic. no. You're, you're incorrect. It's Superman the movie and Batman 89. It's Earth 789. I, I think you're thinking of the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman. Don't, don't fuck with me, Leo. All right. <laughs> So going going back to your whole idea about being nitpicky, um, my biggest issue with this movie is that the bad CGI filter that they have when he's in the Chrono Bowl. Now you look at everything and it looks like it's it's been like AI rendered or something like that. I genuinely dislike the way everything looks when when it's got like this this sort of sheen to it that almost looks plastic. Like, look at that. Um, it's, it looks like a painting or something. And I mean, it's it's cool, but I don't think that's like, wow, 4K graphics and all this. It's like it, it looks hokey. Well, it, it's 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 funny to me that you say that um, just because funny, hmm, not funny, huh? Because uh, I actually, you know, in the conversation I was having with my wife uh, after right after having seen the movie, you know, I'm, of course, like just full on geek logaria, just can't stop the shit from coming out of my mouth um and that is the term logaria verbal diarrhea is logaria um but i i actually said to her i was like you know i can already tell that there's going to be a lot of people that have problems with the way that certain things looked in this movie and i think i understand because i i actually saw a stark difference between special effects in other shots versus special effects like the kind that you're talking about right now, Justin. Um, and what I said to Darren, my takeaway was this. Um, and I, I asked her, I was like, what do you think? Like, how, how do you, how do you view it? Like, does this seem off to you? Especially because 
my wife um, is a photographer, so she went to school for it. She has a very keen eye. She's very visual. Um, and I said, like, as a storytelling device, uh, in, in, in as much as it's in your face, it's actually fairly subtle. How would how what do you think about my idea here? Do you think maybe looking at the special effects for the rest of the movie where we actually saw shots from like the trailers and stuff that had been per- put forth initially and they were clearly much more polished than what we saw in the trailers much like a vast majority of marvel trailers we've seen over the years including uh infinity war because i remember oh, the first yeah. time we all saw thanos we were like are you fucking for real and then when the movie came out, the F, the v, the special effects were were finished, and we saw like, oh, okay, they they just needed to get something out there. Um, so it, I think the best example of that for the Flash is the shot when it shows Barry one and Barry two running alongside Kara, who's flying, and then drops her feet down, and they all slide. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it looked great. In the trailer it looked fucking terrible because that VFX shot had not been completed yet. I think if you watch the movie again, like I'm certainly looking forward to seeing it again for this in particular to, to double check it. But if you pay attention, I think you'll note that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to sway you. I'm not saying it like that, but I think I said, I said today, I was like, I think it was deliberately done because the only time that we see it look surreal. That like uncanny valley Grand Moff Tarkin and Rogue One type shit. <laughs> did, did, did that not occur to you guys? That was uh, like, was I try not to compare thing. things to that to any special edition of Star Wars or anything else like that because I'll go nuts. But you know? uh, but yeah. it's the the uncanny valley thing. Um, it only happens when we see Barry's point of view for things moving slower than him as he moves through the speed force. And that when I say moves through the speed force, I mean like when he's using his powers and the, the way I see it is like, imagine being able to move that fast, right? Like just try to wrap your head around it. You know how weird and unreal everything would look while you were doing all that stuff. And then when you have this massive coronal energy acting kind of like a sheath, like, like, uh, like cellophane, that membrane, like you were saying, it would obfuscate and give that sort of unreality feel because for him, everything he has in front of him, his reality is real. So everything else would look slightly off. But if you would see it from the perspective of those other realities, Barry would probably look as unrealistic to them as he did to, as they did to him. I think it's a matter of perspective because like I said, every, like every other instance in the movie where he's not like fully like immersed in all that shit, the VFX is spot on. I like I like the effects when it comes to like the battle with Zod. I like that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I I like this movie a lot. Like I I will buy a physical copy of this movie too. Like I said, for for nitpicky, 
I don't care for the way it looks. I, I did watch it again. Um, I, I watched a version in Spanish today. Uh, oh, you did? <laughs> just to uh, confirm. Because I, I wanted to make sure that I was being, you know, objectively fair. fair and all that. And, I mean, I can just tell you it wasn't pleasing to my eye. It wasn't pleasing the way to look. And the, the main part that I go to is, like, Ron Livingston standing there holding the camcorder for Barry's, like, 10th birthday or something like that. And I'm like, why does this look wet? Why does this look like a, you know, like a a 3d rendered model of it when it's like, like, did they rotoscope this? Like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I think it's, it could be a preference. Really bring it, bring it back to Fleischer, huh, boys? Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> exactly. But, but it, um, Actually, like in general, I, I, I it's know cool. Why he didn't finish his TPS reports. Yeah. They didn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I've been missing him, Bob. I did say that when he was getting questioned, <laughs> you know, it, it is, it is rather funny, to, humorous to me because, uh, I actually, for years, uh, Ron Livingston was my dark horse pick. And this was, this was years ago, like when it was first announced. And when I say years, I mean like 20 first announced that new line cinema was going to make a Shazam movie. Oh, Peter wow. Saffron was trying for a long, long time to get that movie done. Him for Shazam. Ron Livingston was my number one pick to play Captain Marvel in a Shazam movie. If you look at him, especially back in the late nineties, early aughts, if he had just put a little bit of muscle on, he looks so much like Captain Marvel from the comic books. It's not even funny. Yeah, he's he's so good, dude. I mean, if you've watched Band of Brothers with him in it or like anything else, I mean, I'll even give you like Little Black Book. You know, like he's a good <laughs> actor. He's like he's fun he's to been. watch. He's charismatic. He's a he's a leading man. You know, he's in he's in one of my favorite um, Stephen King like short story adaptations from the TNT nightmares and dreamscapes. Uh, it was a short story. It, it, it was based directly on the um, anthology like collection that Stephen King wrote nightmares and dreamscapes. Uh, it's this one story called the end of the whole mess. And he plays a guy whose brother was like a, just a fucking super genius. And he basically figured out by research and going to this place in Texas and, like studying how there's like no aggression at all. And there hasn't been in this entire area in like 50 something years. Um, they find out there's something in the water that occurs naturally, like through an aquifer and a well, they sample it, they replicate it and they drop it into like all kinds of places to uh, disseminate it throughout the world, like volcanoes. So it goes into the atmosphere. Oh, wow. And then they find out too late. They, there's another data point that they missed that the instances of very early dementia and Alzheimer's hit throughout that entire area. Like the numbers were fucking sky high. And so it turns out the water that made everyone like nice and passive and, you know, everybody's just getting along and, and everyone's happy. It also makes them stupid and irreversibly so they can't remember who they are they can't remember you know how to how to take care of themselves uh and they just did this to the entire planet so everybody is slowly losing their intelligence and the whole human race is going to be done for idiocracy and, uh, yeah but like it's fucking harrowing and uh the way they do it in the that stephen king wrote it it's of course a guy writing it all down but being a visual medium, an episode of a miniseries done on TNT, 
Ron Livingston's character, he's recording it all in a, in a video camera, straight up saying like, I have, I don't know how much time I have before I, I lose track of, of what it is I'm trying to tell you and tells the whole story. And yeah, it, I, re- I remember seeing that as a kid. I was like, damn, man, why isn't this dude getting more work? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's great. And, um, you know, if you had to replace Billy Crud up with someone, Hey, Ron Livingston, I'll take it. Absolutely. That's, that's a pretty good, uh, comparison right there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a slightly different shaped square jaw, but yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I just, uh, I, I, I was very happy to see that if they had to recast him, that they, they went with him. Um, but yeah, I, there's, there's a few other things too, uh, in regards to Batman, especially, uh, Ben Affleck had said, you know, it was, it was nice to come back and he had a lot of fun playing Batman in this movie. And, uh, he has said directly, like, you know, it's sort of a shame that I, I, I came into this and had so much fun because I, I, I finally cracked it. Like I finally figured out exactly how to play Batman and Bruce Wayne. And, uh, you know, so this is, I mean, um, this is the end suicide squad. There was no issues with that performance, you know, you know, he was in for like three minutes though. Wasn't he? he (laughs) You know, but still it's that counts. But I think it was the overall character approach, like the, the depth, you know, and, uh, I think, I, I think I figured out what it is he figured out, but it would probably never necessarily be vociferated by him. Um, I think he realized that he should be playing, you know, just not in any official capacity, but his approach, he should have been playing through and through the live action version of, uh, uh, Kevin Conroy's Bruce Wayne and Batman, because especially, especially if you watch this movie, the flash, I felt while watching it like, oh, he is actually like he is doing his best to portray the animated series, Bruce Wayne and Batman right now. All he, I like that. all he needed was a brown jacket instead of the fancy fucking, you know, long coat that he had on and he, it would have been spot on. And another thing I noticed, too, that when they were on the bridge and when he was, you know, all Batmaned out and everything during that whole caper scene. No voice modulator. Yeah, not at all. Yep. He was he was going full on, I'm Batman. Sometimes I feel like maybe it's not enough that I try to fight crime in Gotham. Maybe I should just give all my money away and fight poverty instead. Like, I mean, it, it really did feel, and not in a bad way, not in a disrespectful way. It was like, oh no, this Juilliard trained actor cracked it just using his voice for years. Maybe I should take a cue from that. And I, without doing an impression, I think he drew inspiration from that and, oh, yeah. and, na- and nailed it. Like it, it w- that was probably one of the biggest downers. Well, actually, it was the big downer for me was that he, he once again, like proved he was such a good pick for the character and we're not going to get any more of him. Well, who knows if we're going to get any more Keaton at this point too, based on the projections that they have. Quite frankly, um, I don't think we'd get more Keaton. However, I 
the one saving grace, and this might be part of the reason why I think George Clooney was was suggested to be put in at the end of the Flash. Uh, Elseworlds are a thing, as as it's been stated. Like they are going to have like these side projects, so they're going to be marked branded as Elseworlds, so you know it's not like in direct continuity. Uh, I think at this point, George Clooney would actually be a really good pick for an older Bruce Wayne and a Batman Beyond project. I, 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 I heard a rumor that if this went well, Keaton was supposed to be like a older Batman with Batgirl uh, doing like a Batman Beyond, but with Batgirl instead. Yeah, that's but, what the, the Max movie was going to be. Yeah, that kind of sucks. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if anything, you know, what would be way better than that. Just forget the whole Batman Beyond thing and do the White Knight, you know. Because that's that's not exactly where where the Robert Pattinson one is. You know, mm-hmm. it's different enough, and you can juxtapose it. And it's like, well, what if we had a movie where, or even bring Ben Affleck back for that? Who knows? But it's like, do do White Knight, but White Knight goes all the way to Batman Beyond. But it's like we don't need like like they tried a Batgirl. It didn't it didn't work. You know, nobody wanted to see it. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> I think. As as you see, maybe maybe in like ten more years, if Ben Affleck finds himself in sort of the same position that Michael Keaton was in, he'd be like, "Yeah, I'll come back and and I'll I'll do your Batman Beyond dealy there." Sure, why not? Which would make a lot more sense. I'll be right back. Yep. Good call. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good call. But I I think Brandon's right too because it's like he, um, Ben Affleck does look exactly like the uh batman from the animated series yeah the the blue and gray suit is absolutely freaking amazing yeah no, i agree it's it's cool it's cool as hell yeah i mean yeah. i feel like they even they even um they got rid of his weird batmobile and like all that kind of stuff you know? yeah the i mean the uh the tumbler type was uh pretty cool but yeah it wasn't wasn't a real batmobile you know you know, I did love Alfred. Alfred with uh, Jeremy Irons as Alfred, I thought was was wonderful. I'm like, I didn't know that I liked that as much as I did. Yeah, yeah. And they recently made him what? Like, uh, he he's not Australian. What is he? He's he's British. He's British. Okay. See, is it was he knighted? Alfred. Uh, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> oh, oh, Jeremy Irons. Um, oh, I, I don't know. You were talking about Alfred. Yeah, yeah. I I was. Thinking, I thought they made him an Aussie recently. Oh, with um, yeah, yeah, with uh, what what's his name? Um, uh, Gollum. I can't think of his name at the moment. Jeez. In Gotham? Andy Circus. Andy oh, Circus. Oh, and, Andy yeah. Circus. Yeah. Yeah, but before that, uh, I think Gotham. He was an Aussie. Oh, oh, like uh, Petri, Sean Petri. Yeah, and they. He did it one more time. Oh, I, I think in the Batman cartoon also. Huh. I could be totally wrong. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know it that well. Yeah. I, I remember there was like a switch where Alfred became more like a, a, a mercenary, like, you know, somebody with, you know, uh, training. Definitely um, Gotham. So probably Gotham and um, Pennyworth, those yeah. two. Alfred, yeah. what? Oh, I didn't yeah. watch Pennyworth. We we were talking about how um 
there was a really good performance by Jeremy Irons as Alfred. And Leah was saying how there was a switch where they made him Australian and, and definitely uh, Andy Circus, New Zealand, you know, sort of connection there mm-hmm. and stuff. But um, and then he was mentioning that possibly in Pennyworth, uh, he was uh, he was also. But I, neither of us watched that. Yeah, yep. I did not watch Pennyworth. Either. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we're three for on- three. It was on like epics for forever so like yeah all right let me let me get one more streaming service okay i mean uh, they did put it on max but still yeah i just i and now i don't have max anymore so i'm never gonna watch it yeah so. t- totally off topic but i started uh watching uh warrior holy crap is that a good show oh yeah yeah started watching and i thought you started I, watching it like two years ago i did and i stopped the ultimate warrior uh no uh the one based on bruce lee's writing original pitch for kung fu yeah oh okay cool yeah it's it's yeah i started it a couple years back like and i only got a couple episodes into it and now i'm i'm like trying to like binge it is that on some sort of shared streaming service that we might enjoy uh it could be actually i think it might be already (laughs) okay cool <laughs> I did say two uh, years ago, so I'm like, maybe it's buried in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, th- there is a library where you can do everything alphabetically if you have trouble finding yes. something. Yep. Uh, I wanted to go over to Bat Suits. So, we oh, got look our, at this. Yeah, we got it. I tried to lighten it up so we can get a better look at it. And there's some conflicting reports as of which suits are which. Obviously, the center one is the bat, the current suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Keaton. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Dark Knight the, Returns behind that to the left. Dark Knight Returns, you're saying? Yeah. Look at look at the the shape of the bat and like the short ears there, and kind of like the broad shoulders with no pauldrons or anything, and oh, the yeah. gloves. So that looks like Dark Knight Returns to me. I'm gonna let me see here. I want to see if I can find. Looks like uh, the Grim Knight, I would say, with the two guns, or or maybe like his his first appearance over here on the extreme left. Yeah. So uh, one report is saying that one's year two bat suit, but also another one was saying that uh, it was confirmed that those are grappling guns. Oh, yeah. Because okay. okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, no, the ears are not short on that, Justin. I uh, I could they, not. They're uh, blur. They're blurred into the background. Yeah, yeah everything's yeah. kind of blurry on there. It looks like the Flash outfit. <laughs> yeah, know? I'm 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 looking at at the the photo online, and I and I just blew it up, and yeah, the ears are the same size. Uh, Maybe that it's just is, too blurry. That is, that is the suit from '89. That's the that's the suit he wore in 1989. It's the same symbol and everything. Yeah, it looks it looks like most of them have that same symbol too. So I I thought it was like a flat. No, they don't. No, 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 no. They no. zoomed in. They, it's not. Yeah, yeah, no, they they the like the one the one in the center, the one to the all the ones to the right, uh, and then the one d- not with the guns, but the other one to the left. They all have like that. What we think of as like the regular Batman symbol, but that right there. Actually, yeah, it's, that... it's just blurry. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, it, it looks like the ears are kind of short, though. No, they're they're not, man. I'm, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> I'm 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 looking at it on a completely different screen. I can I can see the ears. 
I know the one next to it, to the left, they were saying was an homage to uh, the Adam West one because of the coloring. Yeah, because it has it has the eighty nine bat symbol, so maybe it looks like it has white eyes also. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure what that if that was meant to be that. Oh yeah, but, um, it does, it's yeah. kind of cool. It's also got like that uh, that Neil Adams sort of look to it, a little bit yeah. with like, the blue gloves and all that, and I I like it. Oh yeah, I, I mean I the only the only bat suit in in that shot that I really thought was fucking ridiculous was the uh <laughs> what what oh 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 hold on hold oh, okay on. like hold we've on. we've uh broken leo That's <laughs> yeah he's turned into horshack from welcome back carter he's gonna answer a question everybody mr. Oh, oh oh mr carter mr carter uh looks like i'm gonna throw this in photoshop Oh, nifty. That one's got wings. Oh, yeah. So like this, that's like. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Hold, on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Where? Oh, yeah. So so um, it looks like Hot Toys is making this. Oh, shit. So we can get a better look at. Huh. I wish they didn't show me that nose. Well, that would be like your absolute year one. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I get it. That's cool red. looking. The blue one's awesome. Then, then yeah, Brandon, you're right. That would be the uh, eighty nine one. Yeah. And then Batman it, Returns next. Bat to it. Yeah, would be yep exactly the one to the right would be Batman Returns and and this next one's know. like maybe where he's fighting Firefly or something. Flight suit Batman. And then uh, I don't know Arctic armored Batman beats the fuck out of me. You know it could, be, it could be desert too. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I guess it. Like a call back to you know, the nightmare one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they wouldn't do that. Yeah, it's it's weird because it's like I was thinking, you know, that that high altitude one from Hush, or something. But maybe they're just throwing stuff out there to see what sticks. Yeah, I. But I, I sincerely, I, I truly, sincerely doubt that they'd go out of their way to do anything that even tangentially really connects to like the nightmare sequence or specifically the DCEU slash Zack Snyder stuff, because they've been fighting the tide against that for God knows how long at this point. Anyway, no bad and, either. And that's uh that's probably one of the issues here too is um you know the Snyder cultists they are not a majority of people all right no. um not by any stretch they are certainly vocal um and there's actually been all kinds of forensic uh discovery over the past like six months or so that shows that their uh their movement for restore the Snyder cut uh was was inorganic. Um, seems like there might have been uh, a lot of bots farming involved. Oh, you don't say. Say what, girlfriend? And uh, yeah, unsurprising. But it didn't help too with um, with Zack Snyder fanning the flames. I mean, he he got them riled up and purposefully. I mean, releasing you know storyboards and and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of people, especially Snyder Cultures, are like, oh, see, we didn't want to go see this movie, and, and we didn't, so it's bombing. Um, 
for all the people who were I bet they saw it. <laughs> well, no, more to the point, like if we're talking numbers and w- without having anything clear in front of us, um, you know, this same group of people who were saying, like, oh, you know, they never should have fucking gotten rid of the Snyderverse and the DCEU and all this, and because we're not going to see it, see, they don't have our numbers, so they're not doing well. Um Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is what they they bitched and complained about getting, was released after giving the director $70 million to complete it on HBO Max. And it underperformed in streaming and it underperformed in physical media sales. No, not that many people watched it all the way through or or watched it all together. And nowhere near the amount of people they thought were going to buy it on Blu-ray and DVD did. The numbers that they're saying they have that could make a huge difference one way or the other, they're not there. No. I think this is just straight up because of the fact that James Gunn basically said, like, hey, listen, this is like the bow on the end of the DCEU. And for a lot of people, especially 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 general movie going going audiences why do i care that's it It, it, bare bones why why invest in what the story and characters are going to go through if ultimately it doesn't mean anything down the line and that's and that's kind of what they were saying about shazam too i think i think you had brought that up about shazam when we Mm -hmm. talked about it in the fury of the gods that it's like Zachary Levi was like, what the hell, man? He literally made this, you know, announcement when the movie was released. And it's like, of course, people are going to be pissed off now. And yeah. and also, like, you kind of have to credit that to Black Adam, too, where it's like, oh, and this isn't connected now. Well, what's the point? You know, but yeah. since Black Adam, we've had Black Adam, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. We've had this Flash movie. They've all connected, you know, in some way, shape or form, you know. So it's, it's kind of yeah. like, all right. Yeah, maybe there's not going to be an overarching, you know, they're going to fight together or something like that, but they've all been connected. Yeah, uh, we we don't know how it's going to be approached moving forward from from this point now either, mm-hmm. um, which I'm fine with. I, I'm, I'm OK with with not knowing exactly how it's going to go down. I I want there to be surprise and, and more to the point, um, I think they need to they need to focus on the solo adventures in in individual movies that can maybe sow the seeds um for something where there's a convergence um down the line for for characters yes. and projects not not the literal dc convergence but oh come on <laughs> <laughs> let's not confuse anybody we got Wave um, Rider, we got Booster Gold, we got Chrono King, yeah. but, uh, but, and Clock King. Yeah. But I, I think I think if they focus on a through line, but still let the adventures of each character be their own, uh, it will serve everyone better, especially if audience see audiences see that there's a direction that everything is flowing in. Um, because regardless of how you feel one way or the other, how one may feel one way or the other, Marvel has dictated how audiences consume such stories as these. Uh, and that is episodic and connected. If you have something 
that and not just like some tangential shit like something that really is concrete and it can just be like one thing but it it brings it to the next thing and it doesn't actually make it so you have to see five billion things to understand the next story you're going to watch that i think is key make it so that people can enjoy the thing for what it is and not have to do 23 hours of homework beforehand you know do you think that dc has made better choices than um the x-men films or do you think that because i mean i'm i'm a big fan of a good majority of the x-men films and i'll admit some like dark phoenix are not great but I feel like in general as a whole, like the X-Men films have been better than the DC. What do you guys think? Um, Just because the reason I mentioned that is because that is absolutely something that is going to get wiped off the map and rebooted. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? I got the same feeling whilst watching Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad, but the original Suicide Squad 2016 or whatever it was. Um, I got the same feeling watching that that I did watching X-Men 3 or X-Men The Last Stand, um, which is not good. Uh, I You know what? I don't think I've ever connected those dots before, but um, you know, th there's a lot of that movie that I do like, just like there's a lot of Suicide Squad that I do like, but like as a whole, they're a mess. So I, I think that's a really apt comparison. Yeah, that I've, I, I had that same kind of weird pit in my stomach as I was watching and I'm like, this is, I don't think this is, I don't think this is very good. Um, there was so much promise at the beginning of this. I like, you know, it's just like, Oh cool. I just saw Wolverine chop the fucking head off a gigantic Sentinel in the danger room. All right, let's, let's do it. All right. You're like, you're like uh, Kathleen Turner, huh? Yeah, oh, that's just, a like, shame. <laughs> just, just ready for it. And uh, sort of the same thing with suicide. I'm like, Oh cool. Ben Affleck, you know, Batman going after dead shot. Let's, let's turn this mother out. And then I, you know, I saw the rest of the movie and I was like, what the, the like, all right, I... Harley Quinn, this is going to be great. Oh. oh yeah. And that, I mean, Oh my God, dude. Like I was fucking incensed about Harley Quinn. When I watched the movie, I was so fucking mad. Um, and I'm not like the biggest Harley Quinn fan. And it's probably a large part of the reason why I really, really gravitated towards Sean Murphy's Batman White Knight. I appreciate so the character of Harley Quinn, of Harley and Quinzel. And I've always, going back to the animated series, I've always thought like, man, there's just like a, there is so much going on underneath, underneath the surface there a doctor who met the Joker and like fell in love with him there. And then goes out on this life of, of, you know, fucking violence and crime with him. Like that is what is up with that. Show me how that happens. You know, what is, what is the deal? Um, and she was a, she was a, a smart, capable woman who happened to just like fall in love with the man who the Joker used to be until he became his full on psychosis. And I love that idea. Oh, so good. That is she just, was, it was she, such a she, good story. Yeah, she was, you know, she was she was gymnastically inclined and that that served her well for what they were doing, but always in the Harley the Harlequin costume and, and what have you. Um I could I, and, and I'm not saying this for for brownie points. I, I've I've long had a, an issue with this, and you guys have heard me mention it in the past, I think off show. I really fucking hate the over sexualization 
of Harley Quinn as a character. Um, I, I fucking, she like bare bones at the very least, if you're going to have Harley Quinn be anywhere near as physically capable as she is in the, the comics and cartoons, you do not have her wear fucking four inch stiletto heels as she's going to yeah. do her thing. It's, I mean, it's if, like any, the Boba if Fett, anything, you know? she, she'd be wearing those fucking like knee high converse high tops. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I think but, they, they fixed a lot of that in that um in that Harley Quinn, uh, the Birds of Prey, the Emancipation of Harley Quinn. You know, yes. like they they did a lot of stuff, which I I like that movie, and I I don't even care. I liked it, and I I thought yeah. it was fun. And it's not great cinema, but when you see Ewan McGregor in that film, he was amazing. So I I freaking love that performance. It's <laughs> fun, but it's not a Birds of Prey movie. No, it's it's some like it's some like weird thing. Then you're like, what is this? I'm like, it's fun, but what is it? <laughs> you know? It's a vehicle for Harley Quinn. Yeah. If, honestly, it kind of felt like to me, uh, it, it felt right on par with the WB Birds of Prey, like the the amount of. I don't want to say disappointment, but confusion I felt at the choices made. I'm like, why would you? Why would you do this? Why you talking about the one with Mia that? Sarah as as Harley Quinn? Harley yeah. Quinn, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, Ashley of oh god, Ashley Smith. What was it? I can't. Oh god. I, yeah, I can't remember. But um, yeah, yeah. And Dina, Dina Meyer. Meyer yep. as I knew we'd know that one. Yeah, yeah. She 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 was actually a really good pick for Barbara Gordon. I I fully agree, and I I loved her in Dragonheart. So yeah, yeah. Oh god, I love that movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I it was just another one of those things where I'm like, you 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 had all of this and like you you you're not constrained by like the same shit that like CW and WB were. I don't understand why we're getting some of this and it's not being brought to f like full fruition, and not even like a, oh we'll get to that to get to that in the next one, but like absolute changes through and through like not for nothing. Cassandra Kane is a fucking awesome badass character. I did not like that she was just like some kind of pickpocket kid, a smart ass pickpocket kid in in Bird's Prey. Did not appreciate that at all. So um, she was better in Gotham. Um, was it the Doom that came to Gotham? Well, I mean, no. I was just trying to make you say. <laughs> I mean, I didn't uh, think you'd bite, so it's okay. I, I mean. Not particularly uh, yeah. apples and oranges, but I mean both fruits, but not quite the same. Uh, I don't like, get frankly, it. You know, they both apples. Suck. Apples you eat their clothes, but oranges you don't. Um, but I, I, I absolutely love uh, Journey Smollett in pretty much. Yeah, anything. I did. I did too. I thought she was an absolutely shining spot in that movie. Yeah, I, I, I thought she was great. I actually just the other day online, somebody was like, "Oh, uh, why would they? Why would they?" Um, I can't, I can't remember what the, this idiot was comparing, but he was like, "Oh, so they're just gonna they're gonna have Black Canary be blonde again or blonde now when she when she had dark hair in the movie?" And I was like, "What fucking movie did you watch, pal?" And I went and grabbed a screenshot from Birds of Prey and slapped it right in my comment. And he was like, "Oh, yeah, you're right. My bad, because Journey Smollett's hair is most certainly blonde in that fucking movie." Yep. Um, she she looks like Black Canary. Like regardless of the fact that she is biracial, who gives a flying fuck? 
Um, Black Canary is a, I mean, technically even speaking, she doesn't even have to be toe-headed, but whatever. She was blonde. She's a beautiful woman. She's a singer. And by the end of the movie, we saw that she had that ability. Fan-rific. Good. Uh, Huntress, they made her into a fucking joke in that flick. Well, she was, she had the personality of Ezra Miller's Flash. You know, she's like, I'm not good with people, you know, and like that kind of stuff. She did. She, she had like that antisocial, I'm so traumatized, I can't, you know, relate to people sort of thing. And it's, yeah, it's in a, very in a way, but it was, but it was also kind of like a, an inept Punisher kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. You know, and like Helena Bertinelli is, a better character than that you know that's a tough call i i mean and and as someone who who likes these comics and these characters i feel like i don't know that she's ever really had more than one good story arc to be honest with you well let me put it this way it was an opportunity yes yes it was and it was squandered uh and as much as i absolutely adore um oh my god now i can't remember her fucking name Rosie Perez. Thank you, Rosie okay. Perez. Um, I I don't think she was the right pick to play Renee Montoya overall, especially if they were planning on continuing through. Like, if there were going to be a Birds of Prey two and three, like, I I went in expecting that they would not ever make a sequel to that film. Oh yeah. Like and it's I just I'm like there is absolutely no way that they will, and I'm like th- there's some cool stuff. I mean, I look, we don't have to talk about Birds of Prey. We're talking about the Flash, but I mean, it's like it, in all honesty, I think that there's a lot. Like if we ever do an episode on Birds of Prey, like I'll go into it. But we we've yet to even talk about like Ezra Miller himself and and all that kind of stuff. Themselves and Superman and Superman. Yes. Um. Yeah, Ezra Miller. I think they did a phenomenal job in this movie. Uh, they. It, it is fucking bananas to say it, but they truly made you think that you were watching two different versions of the same person the entirety of the time they were on that screen. The younger one was great. Uh, I will say that. Like, I genuinely enjoyed when Ezra's on on there just chewing up scenery, and it's and it's just like <laughs> you know, being all silly and stuff and. I like this. I lost my shit fun. when I saw him crossing the street to get to to get to the parents' house when he was fucking listening to his walk with yeah. his laundry bag. I fucking lost it in the theater. And if if that's supposed piece. to be the past, right, for Barry Allen, right? What happened to all the personality and the skills and stuff that he had? It's like everything was was just like arrested. And and that was like a harder leap for me where I'm like, so he used to know how to do things and now he doesn't? It was kind of mm. kind of a tough no, well, well, think Justin. about it because no, he, no, Justin. So he was going to go on a date with Iris and all that, like in in the past, like this was his his supposed past. Justin, you're talking about a past in which his mother never died. He was a completely different person. Oh yeah, no, okay, I understand now. So you yeah, he, he wasn't. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, he wouldn't have been as socially awkward as Barry One, because Barry yeah, One. Had his mother murdered and his father sent to prison, whereas Barry too, the young one when, that we when see, he was like eleven. Okay, yeah, yeah I was I was thinking of he, it like he was eighteen. He never, no. he never had his his mother killed and his father never went to jail. So he's grown up a a, a fairly well adjusted goofball 
Yeah. And and that's why there's such a, a difference in their approach to things. You know, Barry, Barry won. He has a tendency to run off at the mouth because he and not run off like smart ass, like make snarky comments to people per se, but he just doesn't stop talking because he needs to fill the silence because he feels so awkward. He doesn't know how to be around people. Whereas the younger one, I'm going to say is likely a little bit of a stoner <laughs> and yeah, yeah. has a clearly a group of close knit friends that he also lives with, you know, which shows the difference too, because two of the people that he's roommates with are the coworkers. He has that pick on him as Barry one in, in the, t- in present time, you know, it just goes to show you the, the, difference his parents presence makes in his life um in 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 that goes too with the what is it the was it a monkey what was that the little stuffed thingy yeah the monkey that he he had and was on the dartboard barry yeah yeah, barry won that was that was a a treasured memento but for barry too because he never lost his mother and father it was just another thing that he got over the years and that's why it was on a friggin dartboard you know, like, the actress that played his mom was great, by the way. I, she I was. I loved her. And that that scene in the grocery store where she just gives him a like, do you want a hug? And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, oh, my was... God. You know, now we all love her. You know? Yeah, for real. I'm not crying. I, just, I, I fucking I peed in my eye before I sat down. Just yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not crying. I'm just allergic to jerks, you jerk. <laughs> and Leo, Leo, you just had the. Uh, the picture up there of how uh, young Barry makes a uh, Batman costume into a flash costume. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. You know, yeah, I thought it was it cool. so goofy. When does this happen? You know, and it's like, he's not trying to be anything, you know, he's just trying to make something work so he can do his job and all that. And it's like, see what he's working with. And I'm like, this is cool. Yeah. Oh, and, and you know, speaking about suits and, and what have you too, in this movie action suits, uh, I really appreciated the fact that every single action suit you see different characters wear in this movie do not all look like they came from the same place. Barry 2's suit that that helps him control his connection to the Speed Force does not look anything like Kara Zor-El's Kryptonian suit. Oh yeah, yep. Which does not look anything like Bruce Wayne, but uh, Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne's Batman suit, Michael Keaton's Bat- Batman suit, Wonder Woman suit does not look anything like theirs. It's all different. Do you have one of her? Uh, I do not. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't tell, but it seemed like that was the same one that was in Shazam. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, likely. But uh, what I mean is like, you know. They all don't look like they were manufactured or tailored by the same people. You know, it doesn't all have the same exact texture. Like Alfred had cobbled them together, right? Yeah. Well, like that's the, that's one of the things that I've actually had a problem with in the MCU is that with the notable exception of like Captain America, and that's really only after he steals his original world war two suit from the Smithsonian in winter soldier, uh, in like 
Doctor Strange. And maybe, I guess you could say Spider-Man, like with the Stark suit. They all look like their stuff came from the same place. Like, there's all the same textures and, and like, I, I get the Eternals all looking similar to one another with their Kirby-esque patterns. Um, but going through, I mean, if you're looking at anything outside of, like, the Guardians movies, really, there's a ubiquitous look. Yeah, like, like uh, you shouldn't have the same textures on Thor's outfit that you do on Hawkeye. You know, exactly. I, yeah, I get you. Exactly. I get you. Like, everybody's action suit should should feel like it was something specifically for them and instead there's ironically enough a uniform look to all of them and they're they're all supposed to be disparate like they're separate entities they did not form together and come up with these ideas to to do this thing it's they're all people who did this thing and then they come together they assemble so I just I, I just appreciated the differentiation yeah. in, in all the looks. I mean, really, the only similarity between any of those action suits we saw in The Flash and anything else that we've seen from other characters in other DC movies over the past several years is between Kara Zor-El, Zod, and Superman because they're all wearing Kryptonian undersuits that's that's you know which makes sense they're all from the same place it's the same thing as like okay the eternals all look similarly clad that makes sense they're all from the same exact place but you should not have you should not have everybody looking like they all go to the same tailor and i understand like in daredevil we see like oh there's a tailor ha 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 but yeah no i i get that she hulk and all that yeah yeah, but not everybody is gonna go to to that guy or to to melvin from the netflix yeah (laughs) you know oh there she is yeah that does look very similar it looks a bit more red i suppose but yeah but like but what i'm saying is like you can't you can't look at wonder woman's action suit and compare it to the flash or supergirl they all look so different from why i just appreciate they don't use the same shade of red in all of them you know like that's that's a big thing for it's like okay you don't have to look and it's like oh there's red there red there red there it's like oh and that that's blue and gray batman you know and there's blue and it's the same blue in superman it's like no that's yeah, good or the or this, same like case, diamond you know uh pattern yes yeah, yeah. yeah well and, and that's that's one thing like i'll say like from in shazam fury of the gods um they have that kind of same man of steel texture kind of thing going on a bit with the shazam suit but when you get into fury of the gods they completely redesigned and those costumes those action suits even though they all look similar to one another because they're all coming from the same place they got rid of those those textured patterns and everything and they they changed the symbol themselves on each one of the suits uh so it didn't have that same kind of look and feel that superman suit from you know man of steel bbs and justice league had so you know it's it's good visual representation for each character and i really hope that they continue on doing that to to have things look appropriate to not just the character themselves but their origins 
you know, like I would fully expect that when we see Booster Gold, his suit would have like a bit more of a sheen to it. It's kind of along the lines of what we saw in a sense from Barry, but have, have like a very futuristic look to it, not necessarily segmented armor or anything like that, but it should, it should seem like almost because it's booster. It, it should seem audacious. Yeah. You know, it would be, it would be shiny and it would be attention grabbing. It's like, dude, you're supposed to like, you know, you're going to get hurt if you go out there wearing a fucking bright blue and gold costume that shines like a goddamn lighthouse. And he's like, no, I got force fields. I'm fine. <laughs> like, like that's, that's the kind of shit that I would fully expect to see. Um, you know, Superman, I, I mean, oh, in, in, in the latest Superman iteration, I would love honest to God. I, I know it's probably sacrilege. And I'm saying this as a longtime Superman fan. Like he's my favorite. I'm, I'm very much Bibbo in this instance. He's my favorite. Uh, I would love to see them kind of play on the idea that J.J. Abrams came up with in his horrible fucking script for Superman flyby. And that is that the suit in and of itself is sort of uh, sort of like a symbiotic, you know, sort of the, the idea of like the bio suits they had on. Krypton. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it would move to change different clothing. Yeah. And uh, I just, I love, I love the idea of that. And it would certainly explain too why the uniform, the action suit would never get destroyed because it was also full on the Kryptonian garb. So it can't, you know, it, it's on earth. It's, just like everything else that comes from Krypton, it's made stronger by its presence here because of the lighter gravity and fucking yellow solar radiation. You know, I was um, just re reading a panel, and I don't know if it was Jeff Johns or I don't know where it was from. It, it, it's definitely a retelling of the uh, of the Superman origin, but it was uh, Ma Kent making Superman's suit and talking about how when he was a kid, she noticed that John Byrne, the Man of Steel, number six. Okay, where the uh, clothing... Sorry, like... number six, number one, number one. <laughs> yeah, I always so... noticed that when you were a kid, the, cl the clothes that were stretched right up tight against your body never seemed to rip or get dirty. Yep. That's what you're going to say, right? Yep. John Byrne, the Man of Steel, number one, 1986. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so is, John, is John Byrne your favorite Superman writer? Um, nah. I don't know. That's tough to say, man. Um, I, I know. That's why I asked it. So I want to put you on, put you on your heels a bit. I, I like his, I maybe, maybe not the full on execution of the character, but the ideas that, that he was able to put forth with the character that I find to be most intriguing. Um, like, I really like how he made Krypton more of a cold science fiction kind of place, sort of taking a little bit of a cue from Superman, the movie in 1978. Um, I love the the full on like high concept sci-fi that he does with like the bio suits and like they're tethered to the planet. And the only reason that Superman, that Kal-El can leave the planet is because he actually hasn't been born from the birthing matrix yet. So he hasn't had that that um, thing like seeded into his DNA where if he leaves the planet, he would wither and die. Uh, Life uh, finds a way life uh, finds a way but the other side of it though is like john byrne is a british born american citizen he's someone who lived in in london for you know several years and then 
moved to America with his parents. Superman, his Superman, the way he set it up in Man of Steel, it's very much a, oh, uh, I'm I'm an American, like I'm I, I'm of here because this is where I was born. Because in his story, Superman isn't technically born until that birthing matrix opens after the Kents find him. So he was never actually born on Krypton in John Byrne's story. He was born on, in Smallville, Kansas in a field. Uh, so it, it does change it slightly. and It, it, it kind of gives a little bit of a like, oh, Sum even Superman himself by the end of that miniseries is like, oh, you know, Kry Krypton may, may have like, created me like given given me the means to exist but you know it's earth that makes me makes me who i am it's like well yeah in in a way but like you did just have like your space daddy imbue you with all the fucking knowledge of the entire planet that you hailed from so there's probably something to be said for the fact that the knowledge of your own heritage is likely going to be playing a large part in how you approach life moving from that point forward um, mm -hmm. And to think otherwise, I think, I believe, would, is folly. Uh, I think it flies in the face of, like, that idea flies in the face of what Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were doing when they created the character in 1938. I mean, these are two kids, one from Toronto, one from straight up Cleveland, both children of Jewish immigrants from from Eastern Europe. And the idea was that Superman is the ultimate immigrant. He took the things that were native to him. Like it was no big deal where he was from, but coming here to this new place, this new world, it turns out those things that were commonplace amongst his own people actually makes him special and enables him to better the community and people around him. Like that's, really what being the champion of the oppressed is all about when Superman debuts in 1938. That's not what John Byrne Superman in 1986 is doing. He is not really of Krypton. He is, he is, Oh, I'm, I'm from earth. I'm, 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 I'm an earth guy. I just, I, I mean, I have, I'm, I have space powers because like <laughs> space power. from space, but I'm from earth. Like I'm, I'm totally like a dude from Smallville, Kansas. Don't even worry about it. And like, there's something to be said for that. I think the approach was balanced more with Mark Wade and Jeff Johns moving forward. I think Mark Wade probably has a better bead overall between the three of them. But push come to shove if there were one person who i'd love to see really get in there and do like a nitty gritty um this is the superman we all know and love but it's not full-on boy scoutish it's an interesting story and not to make him grimdark or anything i would love to see kurt busiek yeah i I could see that too. He's, he's done some beautiful things. So, and, and he's got such a light and human touch to everything that he does. So yeah, I would I mean, agree. Whether you're, whether you're reading Marvel's or uh, his excellent Superman secret identity or Astro city. I mean, there's a, and it's sort of the same thing with Mark Wade. There's a deep and abiding love, not just for the characters, but for the stories that, 
the characters inhabited well before he ever put pen to paper for for these characters or even the archetypes um jeff johns i think you know you know what it is mark wade and kurt busiek in regards to any of those those long-term characters and I'm using them as examples because they've, they've both written stories with great pastiches and archetypes based on a lot of these characters we know and love. They, um, they have a tendency to treat the ideas of those characters with reverence, but not to the point where they're afraid of, of doing new things and different things uh, in, in setting up their story for them. Jeff Johns wants to do the stuff that 12 year old Jeff Johns wanted to see. And that's fine to a point, but once again, like he completely, completely destroyed the legacy of Wally West because straight up he was like, I want to bring Barry Allen back. I like Barry Allen. That was it. That's all there was to it. I liked Barry Allen when I was a kid. So I want Barry Allen to come back from the dead thus completely negating the sacrifice he made to save everybody in the entire fucking universe. You know? Yeah. It, it wouldn't be the first time that they ruined everything in DC. So yeah. I mean, well, they, and, and they, we're they on the verge it. of another one, you know? Yeah. They did it recently. Right. Wasn't there like a world that housed like everybody that's died in the flash. I maybe, I don't know. It's uh yeah. Within like the last month or two. Oh man! Oh, so oh, I, I have no yeah. idea. I don't know, but I, I hear that the Rebirth universe—they're thinking of uh, rebooting again. Oh wow! Yeah. So I, I don't know how that works, but it's like, why at this point? Like everything that you've built, you know. I I I. I well, you look. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was gonna say, as a Batman fan, I wouldn't mind it. You know how they've really fucked up that character you know i don't know how they can get back um i mean chip zadarsky is doing a great job at you know he's not rebooting <coughs> batman but you know um he told some fresh stories obviously it wasn't in a the current universe you still have um you still have tom king doing the batman catwoman right they yeah. were doing that for a while you know that's still a thing and i'm sure yeah. detective comics is still tied directly in you know i don't know i haven't read one of those in a while either but yeah so many mini series out there too detective kind of like split for a while um it's about like kate kane or something some weirdness yeah, it's been a while since I read it. Some weirdness. Uh, Bet weirdness. It, it, is, it did get weird for a while, Brandon, because it was like, okay, now since Kate Kane killed Clayface, you know, it's like, okay, they split off and it was her, Batwing, and Asriel, and they were going to go off in like Detective Comics. And I'm like, well, this looks like an opportunity for me to bounce out of here. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, that sounds correct to me. I think they brought back Batman Inc. as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. Uh, Robin was doing a whole bunch of stuff in Detective, like Tim Drake, Robin. So, yeah. well, um, you know, still, still kind of coming back, boomeranging to to the the movies, uh, the Flash and, and DCU in Batman's involvement. Uh, I will say, as I was talking about differentiation uh, between characters, I think it's important too that uh, it's not just a visual 
cue that we get from like action suits as i was i was illustrating but also uh the stories in and of themselves one of the things that i'm heartened by especially in regards to batman uh from what we know of going forward into the dcu one we know that uh andy muschietti the director of the flash has been uh picked to helm batman the brave and the bold uh which i'm all for i i really am i like andy muschietti i've i've not seen him do anything that i've disliked his execution in i'll put it that way i that's have a, that's a fair way of saying that you didn't like the it chapter two <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth dude oh it's not just chapter two it's the yeah. first one as well i had problems i had fucking problems um well he's certainly shown that he can handle batman well you know? oh yeah yes yes and what heartens me is that the movie that has been described, the story that's been described, or at least uh, been cited as the basis, is Batman and Son. You know, Damian Wayne. This is going to be a story about a Batman who's been active for, you know, several years. And we're going to see, you know, other members of the Bat family. And we're going to see him bring in this tiny psychopath and try to turn him into a, fuck, a fucking functioning human. Um. That is going to be, I think, it could be a really interesting and somewhat fun dichotomy without being campy, without being like too cutesy or cheeky. Um, and once again, it's like something we've never seen before in, in these live action iterations of, of Batsy. And I just like, I think that is really at the at the crux of what we're going to see moving from this point forward is the focus on telling stories worth telling you know part of the problem is like what's the in and i'm not making a fucking avengers joke here but what's the end game with each one of these things and i don't mean coming up to some huge event movie where you know all seven movies beforehand come together into this one but why do we care about this story being told? Well, yep. for Brave and the Bold, I think we care because when have we ever seen Bruce Wayne truly, truly have to be a father? Not a father figure, a father in any live action iteration of the Never character. in live action. Yeah, yep. only, only, what, what was the closest we got? Titans, maybe? Or, uh, closest, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably the closest. Yeah. You know? So I in it's I think something that'll be interesting to see because most of the time we do focus on in movies the dark complexity and intensity and badassery of Batman. We're gonna get all of that, but Batman's gonna need to reconcile the fact that he can't be that all the time if he wants this kid to be able to function. In society away from the league of assassins and he's only going to be able to do that with the help of alfred dick tim barbara whoever else is is going to be involved in the story uh maybe and, that's and where we get Batgirl's redemption you know if she shows up it's yeah. very and, indeed, and i yeah. hope i hope that you know for that case all the hard work that she did pays off you know yeah um i really you know i i that seems to me like it's a story worth telling and that's I think 
part of the reason why uh, we're seeing a little bit of a meh attitude from uh, general audiences in regards to this, regardless of the fact that that Michael Keaton's Batman is in it, uh, is that there's so many of these stories that feel like, uh, and not say the flash is one of them, but it's, it's easy to see how they would lump it in. It's like a copy and paste job. A lot of the time, like it just feels like it's all kind of the same. It's very similar. Like, okay. Yeah. This movie did seem a lot like Spider-Man no way home, like a lot. If I didn't love the character so much, you know, it's unfortunate because this movie was in development a hell of a lot longer before Spider-Man No Way Home was. I, I mean, I mean, they all they all kind of steal from DC when it comes to multiverses, right? Yeah. So you know, it's like I mean, DC did do the multiverse, like straight up in live action. They did the multiverse first, yeah, before No Way Home hit. That that was straight up Grant Gustin and Ezra Miller meeting one another in crisis on infinite earths on the cw it was right there and we also got yep i was gonna say we also got (laughs) a bunch of a bunch of different alternate realities where you know different dimensions where we saw representations of stuff that we knew and and not just like seeing the people in it but also as barry was running through like the the time tunnel you know um so i mean it was already done a year and a half or whatever before no way home came out you know it, it, it was it was there and big as life and twice as ugly uh i remember when ezra miller showed up in that sequence me and maybe you guys and a bunch of other people all across the world were like what the fuck because i didn't see it coming yeah not at all and, i mean he's the one that gave that version of barry the name the flash you know he's like the flash Ooh, i like that you know um but I'm 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 really I'm really heartened to see that uh like I said, Andy Muschietti is gonna move on from this to to Batman Brave and the Bold. I'm super curious who he's gonna get to play Bruce in it. Yeah. Um I would love to I would love to know who's gonna play Alfred. Like, you know, is it gonna be is it gonna be his is it gonna be his cocaine? Is it gonna be is it gonna be your cocaine? Or is it going to be my cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> He's retired, man. So I don't. I don't yeah, think no, so. No, I, I don't think so either. But uh, I just wanted to make that joke. Um, I, we haven't talked cocaine. much about Superman in this one, you know. Um, and that—that's one thing I wanted to ask. What was your What was your thoughts about um, the various appearances of Superman? And then we can probably finish up everything with like what we thought about Sasha Cali and, um, uh, you know, did we get a resent, redemption for Michael Shannon as Zod? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for me, uh, topics there. Yeah, I, I personally, I, I had no problem. <laughs> I think I had the only Superman cameo thing I had a problem with was Nick Cage. Um, and that's not because of how anything looked or anything like that. Um, I, I didn't like it because it was inaccessible. Uh, you get it. You get it. I get it. Any number of nerds listening to this likely get it. But if you're someone who has no idea what the fuck Superman lives was or could have been and that it was going to be directed by Tim Burton starring Nicolas Cage as the title character, you would have zero idea why the hell you are seeing that. 
at the you, very least, every every like with the exception of Nicolas Cage and that Jay Garrick, everybody else you saw was established as having played the character they were being they were representing in that sequence. Um, a lot of people I know got up in arms. They're like, oh, that's so disrespectful. I can't believe they do that to Christopher Reeve, blah, blah, blah. Um, you do realize, I loved it. folks, I loved it too. Uh, but also, more to the point, you realize like they couldn't do that without permission from the estate of Christopher Reeve, right? I just, like, I just realized how much he looks like the perfect version of Superman too. Yep. And I was like, ah, oh, I hate that that's now like, the litmus test for everything because it's spoiling everything i know (laughs) well you know maybe further and further down the line we get you know the the less that will be the case and in as much as i uh truly appreciate christopher reeve's performance as both clark kent and superman i really would like that to be the case um you know i think super his superman as he played him is timeless his Clark Kent, uh, Christopher Reeve as Clark Kent, a- as phenomenal a job as he did, Lon Chaney Jr. would have absolutely adored Christopher Reeve's performance, I believe. Just the way he changed his own physicality without anything other than his own his own body and his own voice and his own face and, a, and just parting his hair to the other side of his head slicked down and how much it changed how he was perceived as a person. Um, I think that in and of itself, it shows his training for years at Juilliard, but the way Clark is presented overall, like a complete fucking milk toast that does not have a place in this day and age, because as much as I'm loath to say it, <laughs> the the most modern how do i say it the the best take on clark kent past christopher reeve and should inform others believe it or not is dean kane in lois and clark the new adventures of superman because for the first time the very first time in friggin 50 40 50 years Clark Kent was not played as a wimp and seen as somebody who was like, you know, kind of a coward because he always disappeared. He was a, he was an everyday guy who came from Smallville and wanted to be a reporter at the great metropolitan paper, the daily planet. Like, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm Clark. You know, he was just, he was a, a, a regular guy who also happened to be Superman. That's really, I think, the best way to approach Clark Kent in regards to Superman. He should not be someone who thinks like, oh, I have to constantly act a certain way. But no, he he realizes like there's a difference between how people see me and how people see Superman, you know, and that's that. One thing I always thought was was interesting, too, is uh, a lot of times in Lois and Clark, Superman would float a little bit. Because it, and I was I was like that it would obfuscate his height a bit, so that way if you did have Clark Kent in front of you, you wouldn't necessarily think that it was Superman because he doesn't seem quite as large. Um, 
So yeah, I'm loath to say it because I don't particularly care. That's, that's what uh, Lex Luthor always used to hate about him too. It's like there he is, floating above us, like we're like he's better than us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you never but, see the forest through the trees, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really, I really liked the the approach. I thought it was great having Helen Slater's Supergirl right next to yep. Superman, uh, and that we essentially also got a variation of Supergirl, who was a character in this movie as well. Uh, and that being said, moving on past that, um, you know, because there wasn't really any fault, like I said, for me, other than just Nick Cage and how confusing it would be as a geek. I liked it. Yeah. But as as just like a movie go, I'm like, eh, that's not really fair. It, and a that's cool what, look, but, you know, it would have been a bogus 90s movie. Oh, like, absolutely. You, it would have been like, terrible. Yeah. It's like you see this and you're like, oh, man, this would be like Masters of the Universe with Superman. Yeah, I'm so glad it didn't get made. I yeah. really am. Uh, the, it, it was never cemented more in my mind that I was glad as when I saw that scene in The Flash. It's kind of like not... The Matrix a little bit, actually. Like the way yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, WB makes sense. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like moving moving past that, you know, bringing up the Supergirl thing, I thought I I want to see Sasha Kaye in more things. And I don't even necessarily mean as Supergirl. I thought she did an excellent job. Um when her character Kara confronts Zod and they're talking about Kal-El and she's you see the dawning realization on her face about what happened to her baby cousin. Like that was powerful, man. She, it's straight she's out of so, Elseworlds book, too. You know, yeah, it really was. It, it yeah. was Elseworlds finest, one hundred percent. And she sold it. I I totally bought it. Um, I I really I really liked it. I liked her. I want to see more of her. I kind of left the movie theater thinking, like, man, based upon this and the Elseworlds finest Supergirl and Batgirl that we, we read and covered in, in comics paradox. I kind of wish they had used Supergirl in flashpoint instead of Superman. Like, I think it would have been even like, it would have been even more interesting if in that story, it had been sort of that same thing. Like Kal-El never arrived and Kara did. And they grabbed her and they threw her in a containment unit. And, she, you know, and she was a little older. So she definitely, like, you know, fostered mistrust immediately. Yep. Uh, and that's why you see her react the way she does when she's finally, like, kind of set free. Um, but, yeah. We, I, we definitely I, neglected at the top of this episode to mention that Jeff Johns wrote Flashpoint, which literally this entire movie was structured upon. That just occurred to me right now, Brandon. <laughs> it does well. It pulls from it for sure. It, it yeah. definitely pulls from it. Um, you know, it, it, I I I thought Sasha Kaye was was incredible. Um, she she was she was tough. She 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 showed softer so, than I thought. You know, yeah, um, I was going to say Barry, she showed like, so much emotion, but like she she was able to like transition to compassion and gentility at the drop of a hat and that's that's a hard pivot to make 
when you're playing a character that's you know dealing with a whole lot of intense shit in a very short amount of time. I was worried because I thought about what you said about Black Adam when he first shows up and they show how powerful he is and he's like wrecking people and all that, and then she's like doing a similar thing, and I'm like, easy, easy, and then they kind of like backed it off, and I'm like, okay, all right, I see where we're going. You know, yep, yep. I'm like, I'm like, we got a real comics paradox going on here, you know. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, TM, you know, <laughs> but yeah, she, she, uh, she really did a great job. And, uh, I actually think that the interactions between her and Ezra Miller were, were fantastic, uh, especially when, you know, she's trying to explain like why she came and she's like, you know, do you know what this means? you know, the symbol. And he's like, it means hope, right? You know, like, and how that she's still a stranger in a strange land, been locked away. And the fact that he knew just like that tiny bit about her heritage and her home world, it almost immediately semi endeared him to her. And, and that was a big part of her willingness to come back and help this kid because she saw like he meant it. Like we need to, we need to save people. We need to stop this. We need to set things right that are that are now wrong. And uh, you know, for me, that that whole thing goes right into like Barry saying nobody dies, in in, in how the the rest of it progresses from that point. Which uh, I would like to stress is a Wally West thing, not a Barry Allen thing. That was pulled directly from Wally West. This is literally a story entitled Nobody Dies. It's his code of ethics, but it's the name of Flash issue number 54. It's a really great issue that showcases exactly why Wally West was probably the best Flash. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but overall, those performances I thought were great. Zod, um, Honestly, I wasn't looking for Michael Shannon or Zod to to reinvent the wheel here. We know what his deal is from Man of Steel, uh, and that's exactly the same thing he was doing here. I don't think you need to re you know you need to go outside of the box too much on that. And the that you know we saw that no matter what, his presence there was a fixed point in time. Yep, very, very booster gold like, you know, it's like, yeah, or, or even if you're into the spider verse, those canon events and all that. So, yeah, like no matter what you do, you can travel back in time as much as you like. You are never going to be able to stop the Joker from paralyzing Barbara Gordon from the waist down. It's just not going to happen. And it was the same thing with this fight with Zod without it being the the straight up like Kal-El universe. Um, and for that and being said, I think your way out of a problem, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I, for, for his part and for Anche Trau's part, uh, coming back, uh, as well as Feora, uh, I was glad to see both of them because even if they, even Michael Shane is kind of like, Oh, you know, this, this didn't really feel fulfilling, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you had a smaller role. You're, he wasn't the enemy of the movie. That's the biggest part about it. And I think people might get confused on that. He he was certainly incidental, but the villain, the bad guy of the movie, was Barry. You know, that's that's the biggest thing. You have to mention you have to realize, like, once you get to full on Dark Flash, like, oh shit, 
this is the bad stuff. And um, Zod really doesn't doesn't matter when it comes down to, to that whole point. And when Barry too jumps in front and negates the whole thing, like that was actually, I thought that was pretty impressive and that they went to that point where like, Oh, he, he made, he made the sacrifice. And even though it was, it was all about nobody dies, it came to the point where you realize, Oh, the only way that everyone here lives is if I die. You knew one of them was going to die because how are they going to put both of them back? Like, like it was like, okay, yeah. one's going to die. Like, who's it going to be? You know? Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't have Barry too with the, the powers he got left there and then have Barry one travel back or anything like that. It was, it was always going to have to be Barry one goes back to put everything the way it was supposed to be necessarily. Mm-hmm. So when he gets back to his present time, Everything is is what he knows, um, but yeah, I I I thought I thought Michael Shannon did a, a very serviceable job, um, and that's not a knock on on him whatsoever. He did exactly what he was asked to show up and do, uh, and not for nothing. He was he may not feel like he did like great work in the movie per se as compared to like the larger role he had in Man of Steel, yeah. I will say he was still pretty fucking terrifying as Zod. I, I thought he was great. <laughs> yeah. I like him though. You know, I I don't think oh, I've seen too. him in something I haven't liked. Oh, 100 percent That goes all the way back to like Groundhog Day for me. He, he was the one of the husband of the newlywed couple that Phil bought WrestleMania tickets for. WrestleMania. Wow. <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's Michael Shannon when he's like fucking like 26. Fucking weird. He did, he did this really cool one on um, Netflix with Judy Greer, and I, I like that one. It was kind of crazy, like about it, like a small town and stuff. He was a furry or something. Oh, or, yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. I, I was, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, all right, Michael Shannon, you know, and, and of course, Knives Out and all that. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. That I mean, the dude, the dude's super talented. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, what was that one? Take shelter. Oh my god! If you've if you've never seen it, like he's a guy that starts having visions of like the end of the world, and everyone thinks he's out of his fucking mind, including the audience. <laughs> like <laughs> he had in like he has a freak out like at, like, of echoes. <laughs> well, yeah, but he has like a freak out at like a town meeting, and I couldn't help like it's a very tense moment, you know. And he he's being called out. It has um Shay Wiggum in it as well. Uh, he was in Boardwalk Empire and the new Perry Mason that was on HBO. Oh yeah, okay. Really, what, another really good one. The the Mister Rogers movie. I th- I believe he was. He was the journalist. I no 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 no. That's Matthew Reese. Oh okay. That's the guy who plays Perry Mason. Um, he played. He played yeah played Perry Mason. <laughs> uh, Shay Shay Wiggum. Uh, played, Not coming back. Leo. Played <laughs> yeah played played Strickland. Uh, the private eye that he was partnered with in, Strickland, in you slacker, <laughs> you slacker. <laughs> we all go, we all go full circle back to oh, back yeah. to the future. Uh, but yeah, he has this freak out in the movie, and he's just like, "I know that you all think I'm crazy. I know, I know. Like I've been working on what I'm doing, and I just want to keep myself and my family safe. But I'm telling you right now, you you all have to stop fighting me on this. 
I am, I know what I'm talking about. And like, he's, he's like being calm and so tense. And then just out of nowhere, he goes, there's a storm coming. Like he fucking full on freaks out. And I was like, I couldn't help, but I was like, what the fuck? I just lost it while I was watching the movie. But like, it's because it was so tense. He's like, you need, it broke the tension, you know? So it was more like nervous laughter than like guffawing. But, uh, you get to the end of that movie, man, it is fucking, it is, it is good. Uh, 2011 is when it came out. Oh, wow. It, oh yeah. Jessica Chastain. She plays his wife in it. Jeez. And they work together in lawless. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really good. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I think, I think everybody did it, did a great job. I, he, uh, he, he was more than, more than, uh, apt for what they needed him for. And he and Sasha Kaye played so well against one another. I mean, I I truly felt that I was seeing Kara Zor-El on screen. Um, I I would really love to see her truly continue playing the character. It was pretty well, cool. There's a possibility she might. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Uh, we we should start to wrap things up. I want to cover a couple things prior though. Uh, just going over the references, the Batman 89, uh, you know, I want to take, you know, one more look at the original Batman suit. And then uh, Keaton, obviously returning. Uh, mm -hmm. How did you guys like the uh, the redesigned suit? I loved it. The The fact that the head could move, they, yeah. they had me that the legs were better. You know, just like like all of of those aspects on it, like it looked like a combat suit, well yeah, more it, than just armored. like a posing suit. It's an action suit. It's a mm -hmm. you know what I mean. It's exactly like what all these other superhero movies have had, and and it's about time that Batman, as portrayed by Michael Keaton, based off of the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie by Tim Burton, uh, has mobility. We, we 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 never really got that like you like you guys said i think justin you were like yeah i'd i'd pay to see the movie all over again just for that one scene in the the silo mm -hmm. um that there was more action in that one scene with that version of batman like more kinetic and frenetic action than we got in the totality of four movies from 1989 to 1996 yeah yeah oh, yeah exactly yeah, this scene, you know, here was, you know, the equivalent of like the warehouse scene. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My my the only thing that I was a little crestfallen on, and it like didn't break my heart, it didn't ruin the scene for me. But with that silo scene, I really, really thought that he was gonna like throw some batterings out and fucking take out the lights. That would right have been there cool. in the silo, yeah. and that he was gonna come at them like doing his shit, and we were gonna get those guys shooting their guns and we were just going to get flashes as he was going around kicking their ass from the muzzle lighting up. And that's how we see Batman. Cause I feel like that's how he would operate, make everything as dark as possible and confuse the enemy and use their own stuff against them. And as well as the element of surprise. A la Arkham. But, yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. Arkham games. yeah. Yeah. But Still, no problem altogether with with how it was done. I just thought like that. It seemed like that was how it was going to be from the trailer that they showed. Um, but regardless, I mean, thankfully, it's it's about time we've seen this version of Batman like just straight up kick ass. Yeah, 
I, I loved how the Batarangs came back, kind of like in the video game. You know, whereas all the other Batarangs were, you know, just like, you know, throwing throwaways. Yeah. He was consistent with every piece of technology that he had. How much do you weigh? You know, oh, like, yeah. well, I was just going to say that with the how much do you weigh thing, you got that, right? Yeah, from Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. Yep. Exactly. As soon as he pulled that thing out to like to get the, the elevator up, he's like, how much wall have you weigh? Mm, eleven, eleven. Okay, all right. Hold on. I love that Barry was right there with the math, though. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. Um, but yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god!" You can weigh a little bit more than one hundred five. We got a awesome call back with the uh, uh, the Batwing. Yeah, and uh, which was fun to watch. Just a comparison from 89. Passing over the, the moon to look like the bat symbol. Yeah. And uh, looking at the Batmobiles, you know, uh, it's kind of hard to tell here, but, you know, the um, the 89 definitely looked more like the, the symbol, very rounded, and the uh, the new one definitely more sleek. You get a better look at them from uh, look at the toys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's irresponsible it's all... to him to drive with the Joker on the tip of his plane. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder if Batman would really have bat symbols on each wing of the bat wing. <laughs> uh, look like he caught the Joker. Like, uh, yeah, he definitely caught hook. the Joker. <laughs> yeah. Yet he's still <laughs> shooting yeah. lasers at or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't uh, move, clown. No, no mention of not killing in this one at all. You know. Yeah. So like they didn't even they didn't even touch that seeing as how he like blew up a warehouse and stuff. So. <laughs> I don't kill. Uh, sir, I beg to differ. <laughs> uh, sir, what about the dead people? We don't count them. <laughs> they were dead when I got here. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, we should wrap things up unless you guys have anything else you'd like to bring up. Go see the flash, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's good. I think it's worth uh, seeing in theaters. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, I mean, you don't need to see a whole lot of stuff beforehand or anything. You can just go enjoy it for what it is, really. Mm -hmm. um, you, if you have, if you have even uh, the faintest pinky on the pulse of pop culture over the past seventy years, you're going to recognize some of the stuff that we see referenced at the very least in that Chronoball scene that we've mentioned. Um, you know, we George Reeves Superman, Adam West Batman. Um, did we get Linda Carter Wonder Woman? I don't think we I did. don't remember seeing her. No. no, I I think I read after the fact that there there was planned to do that, but they decided against it. Um, and you know, well, they have her likeness. You know, <laughs> yeah, Christopher Reeve and Helen Slater showing up as Superman and Supergirl, respectively, in what would be the seventy eight universe. Um, Nick Cage based off of the Superman lives thing. If you're confused about that, if you don't quite know what that's all about, I highly recommend uh, searching out the documentary uh, by John, the late John Schnapp. He unfortunately passed away um, uh, a couple of years ago. He did a documentary called uh, the death of Superman lives. What happened in which he goes in depth and does all kinds of interviews with with uh, John Peters, the producer of, of Batman and, and would-be producer of Superman Lives, Kevin Smith, who wrote yep. 
one of the drafts and famously spoke about his experience doing so and dealing with John Peters uh, in uh, his his own like little kind of college talk special in the evening with Kevin Smith. Uh, It really and it shows you a lot of production stills and some some uh, behind the scenes uh, footage that they recorded where they were going through some costume testing for, for Nick Cage's Clark Kent, what have you in, in some of the designs for suits before and after he is, uh, he is killed uh, in the story. But uh, for the most part, yeah. If, if you've, you've had any idea who any of these characters are um, for, for years, you know, as they've been presented and pushed forward from toys and reruns and all that, you're in a good spot and you know if you're if anything the movie that you'd probably want to see if anything would be uh, aside from batman 89 or whatever uh man of steel because it it so directly correlates to what actually happened with the character of general zod showing up on planet earth looking for kal-el and uh, what the difference is between those two instances. I vote Aquaman. I don't just know what for that, that means. Just for that one one scene. Oh, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, okay, and Aquaman. Aquaman Arthur, as well. my dog? My dog? Is it, isn't your <laughs> wife the queen of Atlantis? Huh? Yeah, you're just yes. you're just <laughs> a he's loyal, friendly, and furious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cute. I, I, I thought it was like loyal, friendly, and furry in every in every reality. <laughs> Some of us understood that was a reference to the dog in the movie. Others of us thought, "Oh, that means he's playing Lobo." No, 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 no. no Lobo the duck. Just the opposite. You know, my, my thought was, you know, that was a dig for all the people saying, "Oh, he's going to be Lobo next. He's going to be Lobo next." Hell no, he's he's gonna be Aquaman. He's always Aquaman. I don't. That, that was to my take. Play Lobo. I don't, uh, and that's not a knock on him. I just, you know, he's been cast as Aquaman. I think it would be unnecessarily confusing. Oh yeah. To those general audiences, once again, if you were to take him from playing that character who was in a movie that grossed over a billion fucking dollars, and had him play a completely different character. And still looking essentially the same, but with like white skin, black, I mean, essentially fucking eye makeup all around. Like, you mascara. Think that, that'll be who we get Dave Batista playing then? No, because Dave Batista, I think if you're going to have Dave Batista, you want to know who I think Dave Batista should play? Who's that? Come on, guys. What, what show are we on right now? Dork Knight. Oh, for Bane. Okay. No, 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 no. He doesn't want to play the muscle guys anymore, per se. Dr. Hugo Strange. Oh. Yeah. I think Dave Batista would be a great Dr. Hugo Strange. Huh. Yeah. Give him okay. the, I don't, give I don't the, find that to be an obvious answer, but. Give, okay. give, him the, give him the beard and the tiny glasses. That's Hugo Strange all day. And he can act. That's the, that's the yeah. big thing. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. Yeah, I'd like to see him play you say like Riddler or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> that would have been that would be weird. That would that would be, be weird. really weird. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, no, I I think I think Lobo as a character, um, probably as much as there's like seven people that keep screaming about how they want a Lobo movie, I don't think it's necessarily like 
top priority for for DC to get that out there. It, it would work a hundred percent better as a limited series, just like the Peacemaker. And if they crossed over with Peacemaker, even better. You know, because yeah. then you'd have that same vibe, and it's the exact same vibe. I feel like if you if if you're gonna cast Lobo, you go with like somebody who's maybe been maybe maybe from Britain or Ireland, uh, and a large tough guy who also has been in you know, who can act. I can't. I have no one off the top of my head. Yeah, Kevin, I, I, Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> I will kick you off this fucking show. <laughs> oh man, if there's a soundbite from this show, <laughs> I want people to hear. Christ on a cracker! You know, he was this. You know he was this close to playing Superman. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, you know who he lost <laughs> out to? Dean Kane. Yeah. Yeah, talk about the fucking losers' club. Jesus Christ. Um, Kevin Sorbo. No, but I, I think if you got if you I don't got think you some can understand the script, <laughs> you can't even understand fucking stage direction underneath dialogue for Christ's sake. <laughs> Disappointed, um, <laughs> moron. But uh, no, I, I think I think Lobo. Uh, you know, if he were to, when if he's cast, uh, probably look at somebody who's not necessarily the most known quantity, so you don't have all kinds of. Uh, extra stuff coming along with them like jason momoa or dave batista you can let the character be who the character is uh and give that actor the ability to play them as they and the director see fit as opposed to find someone from like game of thrones or outlander or something like yeah exactly or doctor who you know they'll they'll find someone you know yeah fucking rory mccann is lobo fucking six foot seven (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I'm saying just don't be surprised, and, and this is not for you so much as it is for the listeners, but don't be surprised if we get a Lobo that's from a different race than what you would have expected, you know? Ooh, boy, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, it's like you, you find it and be like, oh, wait, is he black? Is he Asian? Is he Hispanic? You know, is he is oh, he yeah, the Islander? Great. You know, something like that. It's like, don't be surprised because if, yeah, if I'd, we're going to do sooner, it. I'd sooner see Javier Bardem play Lobo than fucking jason momoa i'm not saying i I, understand him so i hope he doesn't because i cannot understand javier bardem speaking i think you get my point though yeah (laughs) like yeah no i i get it yeah i i think it's okay to not always go with the obvious choice for some things like yeah like for example like if you know people were saying like oh supergirl 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 and they were coming up with all kinds of blonde haired white women who they could they could potentially cast a supergirl like uh what's her name uh chloe grace moretz and, and yeah, so i didn't like any so of those forth. choices at all no me, me neither yeah. and sasha kaye when i saw the video of andy muschietti telling her that she had been cast um my first thought was wow that actress is is like beautiful and the thing is they were speaking spanish for the majority of, of the message because he's from argentina she's also from south america so that makes perfect sense that they would you know he'd be speaking in their native tongue uh to see her perform in the movie uh just you, I, you would never guess that she wasn't like a native born english speaker for one uh and two she looks nothing like you would have pictured Supergirl based on anything from the comic books, and she fucking crushed it. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
you know, same thing like we were saying with Journey Smollett as Black Canary in Birds yeah. of Prey. You know, so you know, there there's something to like picking the best person for the role and not the best looking person for the role. You know, I, I think I think story and character and, and performance are gonna be key. Hugh Jackman. Yes, Hugh Jackman as <laughs> Super as Lobo. <laughs> I know what you meant. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like if Lobo's cast, it's probably going to be somebody from the United Kingdom. I just, yeah, like, I agree. I, I do agree. Deep in my bones. And I mean, he could be, he could be a, a, a black man from, from the United Kingdom that I would not have a problem with that. You cast, you cast somebody who can fucking act the role. Then you fucking, you cast them. It's what about it's like a Winston simple. Duke? Is he big enough? Yeah, Jesus, Winston. Yeah, but isn't he like a Marvel dude now? Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter either. I mean, way. yeah, but <laughs> I like Winston Duke. I've liked him ever since I first saw him on Modern Family. Like he, 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 he's got uh, really great timing, uh, and I, I hope that he's able to uh, play a wide range of characters as his career goes on because that dude has a lot of talent, a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him play any number of roles, I think, in, in the DCU. He's not actually a Brit, is he either? Winston Duke? No. Yeah. No. Uh, but you know, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, if you had said to me, you know, before the Suicide Squad, like, oh, if you're going to cast John Cena in any role, if you would, you know, several years ago, if you're going to cast him as a superhero in, in a DC movie, who would you cast them as? My response would have been probably Captain Marvel, like Shazam. And considering how funny he is, I think he would have pulled that off with a plum. And how interesting would that have been if, you know, uh, Dwayne Johnson hadn't fucking imploded with Black Adam, <laughs> and you would have had, you would have had John Cena versus Dwayne Johnson as superheroes on the big screen. Well, super slash antiheroes on the big screen going toe to toe. That would have been something to behold. But I'm quite all right with John Cena's Peacemaker. Please believe that. Yeah, that's cool. You know, never would have seen a fucking goofy British kid with, you know, 1975 style glasses being absolutely fucking wonderful representation of vigilante. <laughs> you know, so. If if we if we get choices like that being made and and they're giving the best performances possible, which we certainly got from from those two particular individuals, I think um, casting moving forward really shouldn't be a huge concern for anybody. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be the who's who of wants who wants to work with James Gunn on these on these things. So you know, or or whoever you were saying, Machete, you know, the yeah. who's who is going to want that, and if not, then they'll go work in the 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 batman with uh robert pattinson you know yeah, so exactly like we, we we can't lose here you know yeah, exactly. marvel was... marvel's the one who's going to be behind yeah. No, yeah yeah i mean i i i think i think there's just a, a lot to look forward to there's a lot to be hopeful for um it's a good start you know and it's important it's important to remember for 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 us here on the show and for anybody out there listening no matter what uh, whether we're talking about comic book movies, uh, regular old action adventure, something like Indiana Jones, whatever, you know, going Jaws, the Maltese Falcon. Um, it doesn't matter how much a movie makes. 
that does not indicate the quality of the movie. All right. So the fact that this is not, it doesn't, it doesn't have the legs that they wanted it to at this point. That does not mean that it's an, it's, it's an ungood flick. Uh, like I said, the, the audience score, I don't really give a lot of credence to critic scores. The audience score is through the fucking roof on this. It's like 86 or 87%. That's damn high. Um, but even with critics, it's like 67 or, or 70%, something like that. And that's, that's fresh. That's certified fresh. Um, don't, don't let a, a, the box office performance of a movie tell you whether or not you should see it. If well, you, if you are interested enough in it to look it up and find out more about it, that's probably the indicator to you that you're interested enough to see it because you want to know what it's all about. And, and that's not just for this movie, but for any movie. And, and I, and I, I seriously invite anyone to, to embrace that attitude when it comes to the things that you could potentially enjoy, like what you like, don't like what somebody else tells you you should or should not. Totally agree. And, <laughs> uh, and, you know, talking about uh, the box office numbers when we were looking earlier, you know, uh, this movie so far has already beat out uh, Alita Battle Angel, which is friggin' phenomenal, and Bullet Train, which, oh my beat God. Beat Bullet Train, wow. Yeah. I liked both of those movies. I, I liked Bullet Train. <laughs> I, I don't I even want to get into it, guys. I, I, knew, I knew nothing. It, now, <laughs> the movie is Alita Battle Angel, but isn't it actually Battle Angel Alita? Like the in the comics or whatever or anime? No I don't idea. know. But I didn't know anything about it before I oh, saw that movie. Same here. And when I got to the end, it was like, fuck. Like, I actually enjoyed that movie and I thought it was going to be, I, I was not going to. Uh, but I was interested, so I so I scoped it out, and uh, I'm glad I did. You know, I I I have a tendency. I it's been you know the pandemic kind of threw threw shit off, but I used to get together every Saturday with a couple of buddies of mine, a few buddies of mine, and we would just watch like schlocky movies. And God damn it, if some of them weren't some of the like best, funniest, fun movies that we've ever seen, and if you were go based solely on like IMDb ratings or Rotten Tomatoes, you wouldn't touch any of those flicks with a 10 foot pole. So just keep that in mind, like what you like and anybody who tells you otherwise, they can go pound sand. Sounds good. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I want to thank everybody for watching this fine evening. You know me, just Google me. You know, uh, I do a bunch of stuff on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Head on over to thedorkening.com. You can learn more there. But you find me here on the Dork Night with these two fine gentlemen. Also, uh, they'll tell you about some other stuff. Splash pages every Tuesday, uh, Midweek Geeks. Uh, still token with a bunch of stuff. And uh, I, you know what? We'll go over to Justin. Hey, Justin here. You can check me out, my Ninja Turtles podcast, Epic Tales from the Sewers. You can check out my music podcast, the Generation Playlist. And uh, that's all I got today. <laughs> awesome. Powerful Brandon. Hey, everybody. I am Brandon Powers, also known as Powerful Brandon. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like the freaking MasterCard of the Darkening as well. I'm everywhere you want to be. 
you can check me out at a couple different places here aside from the dork night uh one is um wednesday nights with leo has as he had mentioned at 9 p.m eastern standard time the midweek geeks show uh, which we just kind of cover all the pop culture happenings over the past seven days since the last show uh and we're always joined by a consortium of of uh dorks over there uh also if you feel so inclined please uh come on over and, and check out the uh powers combined facebook group uh we're we're a group of uh nerds that like to get together and share jokes info news memes uh good times and laughs to be had by all our number one rule there is don't be a jerk if you violate that you'll be booted immediately if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter i'm at brandon's powers and on instagram i'm at this brandon has powers uh, you can also follow uh, on Instagram, Comics Paradox Podcast, uh, C-O-M-I-X Paradox Podcast. Uh, and that is Comics Paradox, the podcast that the three of us do together, uh, juxtaposed with this one every other Sunday, uh, where we talk about DC Elseworlds, Marvel's What Ifs, uh, all kinds of alternate reality takes and tales, uh, things like uh, the Exiles series from Marvel Comics or uh, Earth 2, as it was done in the New 52 with DC. Uh, and you can uh, you can catch either that show or this every other Sunday um, and find them wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Awesome. With that, we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Have a good one, everybody. Good night.